Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Good evening, brothers and sisters of the leaf. Coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place. It's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight, the boys congregate via live video. Thanks, coronavirus, you giant asshole. To talk about all things Chuck Norris, as they discuss his 1982 classic, Silent Rage, while smoking the Protocol Gold Themis Cigar, paired with a plethora of tasty adult beverages. Here's a fun fact for you. Did you guys and gals know that Chuck Norris invented the giraffe? It came to be after he landed one solid uppercut on a horse's jaw. Hey, come on now. When life gives Chuck Norris lemons, he squeezes the lemons and makes orange juice. Or, if he wants a tasty adult beverage, he squeezes that lemon and gets a margarita. With ice. So be like Chuck. Anywho, it sounds like we're in store for one hell of a good time, folks. So sit back. Light them up and enjoy the show. Ugh, just kidding. Is everybody wearing their Chuck Norris action jeans? Cade, I'm looking at you. I've had them on for, I told you, oh. 10 days now. I can't get them off. Get some kind of oil. Disgusting. Lube yourself up. Everything. Do it. They'll pop right off. I need to come by your house and get some of that lube. I don't really have enough for that. When I was uh, when I was a wee lad, I used to when ninjas were big when we were growing up. I used to buy like the ninja magazines that had you know you could send away for throwing stars and butterfly knives and all that fun stuff. And uh, one day I was you know I'd read these things over and over and over again. And one day I noticed towards close to my birthday that 
the ad for Chuck Norris Action Jeans, the little part at the bottom where you cut it out and send it in for an order had been cut out. So I'm like, shit, my mom ordered me a pair of Chuck Norris Action Jeans. Fuck yeah. There we go. Six weeks later, you saw your mom wearing them. Do you think she bought them for herself? He'll never know. <laughs> I guess that's possible. Huh. Now I'm going to go through old scrapbooks, looking at, trying to look at my mom's jeans, see if she's got that super stretchy crotch. Which that, that's a weird... Was, that'd be a weird was way Tony to... secretly going out late at night and busting heads? Just breaking, like... Chuck Norris style, just kicking down doors. My wife's like, what are you doing with that magnifying glass and those old photos? I'm looking at my mom's crotch in those jeans. I'm just trying to see if it's stretchy Chuck Norris action jeans. <laughs> uh, yeah, looks like I canceled my therapist one week too soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I quit the wrong day to quit sniffing glue. Uh, I, I hear that. All right, we ready? I think we kind of already started. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> welcome, welcome, Tut. Thank you. Um. Oh, we can we can fake start it again. No, no, no. Far be it for me. Far be it for me. But then our viewers and listeners would would miss my my funny anecdote about uh, my mom possibly stealing my Chuck Norris action jeans and me trying to CSI my way through a web of horrible Freudian nightmares. Uh, action jeans like rustlers? No, they were, I think they were actually his own brand. I just remember they had a very stretchy crotch because you, <laughs> you could do kicks. Also, in. you're going to get those of high course. kicks. Yeah. Uh, and I never did see my mom roundhouse kick anybody, so I don't know. Um, anywho, you know, guys, the fear of spiders is known as doctor. Arachnophobia. Very good. Uh, tut, the fear of tight spaces is? Claustrophobia. Very good. And the fear of Chuck Norris? Well, that's just called common sense. Ah. There are many undeniable truths in the world, boys. And ultimately, the one clear truth is that Chuck Norris is an American treasure, a cinematic icon, and I cannot believe it has taken us five years to do a Chuck Norris film on the podcast. That's crazy, right? That is, we, I mean, we did The Expendables, which had Chuck Norris. Yeah, but that wasn't a Chuck Norris film. I mean, he's... Wasn't it? Wasn't it? As we were talking about last week uh, on the Zoom thing, just shooting the shit... I couldn't believe it, Doctor, when we just we're like, wow, like there's such a treasure trove of, of great Norris flicks. We have we didn't haven't even considered it really. Well, I blame you as the showrunner, but you know, we don't have to get into that. Well, I mean, who can blame us? We had that three run Corey and Corey double feature. Uh well, I'm we gonna to go cover in- two Anna Nicole Smith movies all before getting to uh <laughs> you know, this great American icon. That's true. We've done two Anna Nicole Smith action movies and no Chuck Norris action movies. Hey, hey. keeping you guess. <laughs> keeping you guess. Hey, speaking of my mom, or moms in general, did you know that when Chuck Norris was born, he drove his mom home from the hospital? <laughs> you can't make that shit up. 
No, you can't. Uh, well, needless to say, I'm as ex- I'm ex- I'm excited as hell for tonight's show, and y'all better be too, or I'll roundhouse kick all your asses. Well, I can't because I don't have those jeans that my mom kept for herself. But enough about jeans and and what jeans your mom wears. Let's talk about fun stuff. All right, fun stuff. Welcome everybody to the Tuesday Night Pants Club. T- no, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. That's my other podcast, the Tuesday Night Pants Club. TNPC. Uh, TNPC. Uh, we're not allowed on Instagram, but you can definitely find us on Twitter. Uh, episode 122, is that right? 122, that's right. Wow, three more, and we're done. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Whatever. That is it, and I'll be out of here. Everybody doing okay? Well, it yeah. Was, I'm a little upset. Can I join the TNPC? Uh, what kind of pants you wearing? I can fill out a pair of jeans. <laughs> uh, you gotta walk, walk the walk and talk the talk, buddy. I think I can do both. All right. Is there a TNNPC, the Tuesday Night No Pants Club? There's, Wait, what did I say? There is now. <laughs> I thought that's what I was signing on for. TNNPC, copyright 2020, Matt Cade. <laughs> Uh, Ted, I thought you were wearing a cowboy hat tonight. Oh, I got it. Okay. All right. It looked really sharp earlier in the, the pre-show. I, oh, anytime I put that bad boy on, it looks sharp. Uh, you only, you've busted out for quite a few episodes over the last five years. And, uh, hey, it's always it's got, a, it's got Chuck it, Norris themed at night. You know, Chuck Norris is wearing a cowboy hat. It's always so a treat. I. It's always a treat. Uh, Yaks, how's, how are things over to Brian's Irish pub in downtown historic temple, Texas? They are slowly but surely getting back on track. It's uh, it's good to be open. I'm I'm getting my ass kicked, but hey. Like by bikers and and bad guys or figuratively? Women with tattooed boobies? Figuratively speaking? Figuratively speaking. Oh. We, we, we don't allow bikers to wear their colors inside, so that's true. That's typically true. don't get them. Hey. I mean, I might, if we... Get you know a biker crew like with the movie tonight, then I might end up tied to a pole like that. <laughs> if they start giving you trouble, let me know. I'll send my mom over there. Sweet. <laughs> uh, well, folks, as you know, uh, there was a time long, long ago where we would gather here, where I am in the in the corner of No Hope, uh, together, the four of us, and we would drink the same beer, smoke the same cigar, talk. Pat each other on the back, laugh. Uh, it was just a, it was just a real special thing, and and we can't do that anymore. So we're scattered all around Texas, but uh, the spirit and the soul of TNCC is alive and well, and uh, you'll 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 ne- you'll see it more than ever in tonight's show. Well, the uh, soul's there. I'm not sure about the spirit right now. Uh, oh, did I say spirit? Yeah, yeah. No, I I just meant soul. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, no, uh, no. The spirit, spirit's waking up. The spirit is waking up. It's showtime, and got no school, and the the spirit's waking up. In the spirit of Chuck Norris, should I be drinking out of the boot tonight? Is he dead? Is no, dead but I mean, he wears cowboy boots and everything. That's true. I don't well, think so. It, no, it you might, don't want to. You don't want to drink out of the the, the dead it, boot. It might jinx him. It might. Oh, like that's gonna kill Chuck Norris. 
don't mess with the spirits. We already talked about this. Hey, maybe we'll get another visit from Samael tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but we do the same thing we've always done, uh, just on the different, little bit different format. Uh, we are going to drink some beers paired with a premium cigar, paired with a feature film. We put all those three things together, mix them in a blender, and we pour out delicious awesomeness that kicks you in the balls every other week. Right, Doctor? Absolutely, sir. Couldn't have diagnosed that better myself. Uh, I bet you could have, but I appreciate the I appreciate the compliment. You should have just rolled straight through with it. You were you were you were rolling. Uh, I'm still rolling, baby. So uh, before I get to tonight's uh, cigar, because we can't be together and we can't shop together and uh, all those fun things we used to do, we're all in charge of getting our own beers now. Uh, fighting our way out in the wild west to uh, procure our our crafty our crafty craft beverages and let's take a minute here to find out what everybody's drinking so we can see how it pairs with a cigar so now you're not just getting one pairing recommendation or not recommendation you're getting four expert pairing well doctor's not smoking in during this time with us you're getting three cigar pairing thumbs up or thumbs down for free. Else and get, a beer review, a fourth beer review free. And you're getting a fourth free beer on top of that. We it's, throw not like, it's not like beer. the doctor has his back broken and is sitting there in the hall whimpering. The doctor's got stuff to do. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I do, but mostly it's just that uh, uh, the smoking of cigars is verboten inside the doctor's laboratory. So uh, once the We'll table that discussion for later. Once the weather gets better, the, the lanai is a possibility, but I'm afraid the traffic out there could muck with the sound. But we'll see. Uh, well, keep us on our toes, Doctor. Hey, Doctor, look at him chugging that beer. Cody, what Cody? What is he chugging? The good Doctor is having some necessary evil. Oh, hey, we have an evil person in the film tonight. And we do indeed. And it's the RNC. To... <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Necessary Evil Pilsner from the Manhattan Project Beer Company, located there where the doctor is in wonderful Dallas, Texas. You've done a lot of their beers lately, doctor. Uh, I have. I have not been disappointed. Okay. Uh, the Evil Pilsner has uh, is a 5.3% ABV and uh, 30 IBUs, which the low IBU is typical for a Pilsner. But even so, it should come out uh, being a, a little dry, but, you know, as a Pilsner, it should be refreshing, one would hope. I hope hopefully he's getting some floral notes in there with it. Doctor, dry floral notes, deliciousness. I can't agree with I, – I'm sorry. I can't disagree with that. Uh, it is a very you – know, like like Axe, that's a Pilsner, so it's a pretty smooth. Um, uh, nice nice beer for the time of year. Yeah, nothing uh, – I've had I've had their IPA, and I had another one of the Manhattan beers that I can't remember. Um, imagine that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so far so good. Just, just getting to the first can here. But, uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Nice, easy-going brew. Tut, what was your RNC joke? Oh, the necessary evil. The necessary evil. 
Uh-huh. What's RNC? I'm sorry. The Republican National Convention. Oh, because it's going on now and they're evil. I didn't say that. Will someone be reading from the Necronomicon? I didn't say that. It's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. It's what I heard. I didn't say that. I've got some nice charts. They say otherwise. Being apolitical myself, uh, (laughs) the necessary evil uh, was either A, a tie-in to the evil force in tonight's movie that we will discuss later, B, a happy coincidence because it was the beer I wanted to drink and I'm going to sell it as a tie-in to the movie that features evil, or C, all of the above. I'm going to go with C, which I think is actually impossible. C, all of the above, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, boy, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Coop Grand Sport Porter uh, from Coop L Works. Out uh, of Oklahoma City. Oklahoma. Like Only good thing to ever come out of Oklahoma is Coop Ale Works. And Chuck Norris. Oh, was he from Oklahoma? He was born in Oklahoma. Wow, oh, man. That's, that's going to blast my pairing out of the water now. <laughs> I mean, you know. Oh, is, it, is that your tie-in? That's my tie-in. <laughs> it came from Oklahoma. It's got to be good, just like Chuck Norris. <laughs> I hope so. I've been drinking it. Uh, no, the Grand Sport, uh, 6% ABV, uh, 43 IBUs. has just a, a, a slight bitterness, but uh, it's very malty. I uh, got some chocolate. Got a little, uh, some, uh, I guess I'll, I'll say like a roasted uh, uh, nuts rust, uh, type flavor. So uh, it's uh, so far so good. I, I like it. I'm Interested to see how it's going to do with cigar. I was going to say that actually might uh, prove the to be a winner with the cigar. We'll see. Uh, but okay, we have to. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, I have to note that both Mickey Mantle and Troy Aikman hail from the state of Oklahoma. All right. Well, there's four. There's four. Yeah, three. but I would also like to note that uh, Toby Keith hails from the state of Oklahoma. What about Trace Atkins? Actually, I don't know if I Toby Mickey Keith is. And I don't know if Toby Keith is from Oklahoma, but it sounds right. <laughs> if Trace Atkins is from Oklahoma, then I might have to rethink some things, fellas. One of the greatest baseball players of all time, and a Dallas Cowboys legend as well. Uh, you know, hey. Versus a damn good American, Toby Keith. Are you saying Mickey Mantle wasn't a damn good American? <laughs> I'm saying Toby Keith's a Trace Atkins wannabe. <laughs> Mickey, uh, send me a seat up there, brother. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I will definitely be interested to see how Yak Boy, your cigar pairs with uh, the, your beard pairs with the cigar night. What is uh, me or Tut? Me or Tut? What's Tut drinking? Tut is having from Independence Brewing, uh, located there in Austin, Texas, uh, the Convict Hill Oatmeal Stout. Chuck Norris does enjoy a bowl of oatmeal every morning. With cowboy hat. With the cowboy hat. Now we're talking. Hey, what? how does that Texas Atman- born just like Walker, Texas Ranger. That's your tie-in? 
That's my tie-up. Your beer was brewed in Texas, like. Well, wow. actually, actually, it's because when I was young, I always thought that someone in this uh, movie was a convict, and so I was like, convict too. And then when I got home and actually watched it for the first time in years, I was like, oh, he wasn't a convict. In our movie tonight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, then I'll get a double tie-in because the Manhattan Project Beer Company, as Yax pointed out, is located in Dallas, Texas, which is where tonight's film was shot. Of course. All right. Well, right now the doctor's in the lead. He's got two tie-ins. Tut, that uh, Walker Texas Ranger was bullshit. Oh, and your this, <laughs> and that you thought something when you were a kid about. Come on, you're, you're reaching, pal. You're reaching. But I'm glad you reached for that cowboy hat. Looks damn good so, on you. Son. So are all of our lady viewers. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. We need to get a, a cowboy hat sponsor on the show. I would dig it. When I'm knee deep in a four-hour podcast, oh, and the sun is beating down on me like an Oklahoma June bug, I like to put on the saying, re- pull that hat on tight, refined, stylish, but sleek and elegant look of a Stetson hat. That's the hat I want. Yeah, yeah, Stetson would be nice. You know, as the time is a little boy, Chuck Norris hat that's like literally <laughs> up here. You can tell he's the sheriff. He's got the tallest hat. It was like the street sign for the Brown Derby restaurant, like that big. <laughs> it was like a it ten. Was, foot, it was like ten feet tall. That man, hat. those old seventies with those huge. Yeah. Everyone's looking yeah. around. Who's in charge here? That guy is. Look at his hat. We all know our sponsor is going to be the rich Texan from The Simpsons. <laughs> when I'm drunk at three o'clock in the afternoon, like the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, I wear this cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Yax. Was there anything else about Tut's beer? It's an oatmeal stout. It is an oatmeal stout. Uh, it is eight percent. It's a little bit of a powerhouse. Okay. Eight percent ABV and uh, very low, uh, twenty-five IBUs. Uh, he should be looking towards getting some delicious chocolate and caramel notes. Are you, are you getting any chocolate or caramel notes? Chocolate, not a lot of caramel. No. It's a start. It's in there. Is it good, Tut? Yeah, yeah, it actually is. It's kind of refreshing for the heat. I was kind of surprised. I was like, uh-oh, it's going to be heavy, and I'm not going to like it in the heat. And, but no, it's actually pretty refreshing. I say, it's 100 degrees outside, and you guys are drinking porters and, and oatmeal stouts. That's that's how we choice. do it here in Texas. Good choice. Uh, that's a bad choice. <laughs> They're stupid, and that's why I endorse them with my cowboy hat. Yeah! <laughs> but, uh... I'm just waiting for an actual sponsor. Like, why? Why are you working with these guys? They're stupid. I just, feel sorry. I just feel sorry for them. <laughs> Have you watched the show? God, they're so stupid. <laughs> uh, you need port in the storm, right, Doc? Amen, sir. Amen. Uh, hey, speaking of choices, uh, what did I choose to drink tonight, Yax? Horse piss. <laughs> <laughs> When you're out on the range. <laughs> when you're pushing that plow on the back 40 and drinking horse piss, I'll be sponsoring your hat on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. You, no, no. Cade yeah. is having Haze of the Dead double IPA, hazy double IPA. Gax is just from a Distal Brewing located in Normal, Illinois. 
I don't think that's very normal, though. Uh, it is eight and a half percent. Oh, I beat Tut. My beer is more ballsy than that. And it's 83 IBUs, but it is a double. So is it is the 83 warranted? Are we are we getting the necessary bitterness? Hop, hop profile. It's got it's it's quite hoppy. I, I, I give it. I put it right around 74 IBUs. It is. It is though. I was I was telling the guys before the show, Yaks, as someone who you know buys a shitload of beer for for the pub, and but have you noticed in the stores too? Over the last three four months, the IPA section have become like seventy five percent hazy IPAs. That's like the. It's just everything is hazy now, and yeah. I've, I've yet to find a a hazy IPA that really sings to me but this is pretty good it's got the classic kind of unfiltered um you know it's got the kind of murky look but it's got a re- that really nice kind of citrusy smell you get some cantaloupes papaya orange and Eight then uh, half percent. that old <laughs> dumb shit will be finding the floor before it finds meaning in tonight's film yeah let's spit up my beer uh, but yeah, it's tasty. And actually, uh, this is one. Um, it's got to be cold. I found with the hazy IPAs, uh, if they're not really, really cold, uh, they can get a little, little danky. Um, but uh, yeah, so far it's 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 not bad. The cigar tonight. Every episode, yaks. What do we do? We. Pair what will hopefully be a delicious premium cigar mm-hmm. with what will hopefully be a delicious craft beer. Yeah. Paired with what will hopefully be a cinematic jewel. Hopefully. And in this case, certainly. I mean, how can it not be? Uh, we better like it. I don't, I don't want Chuck Norris kicking in the door here. I'm definitely not saying if I didn't like it. Uh, yeah. Tonight's cigar is the Protocol Gold Themis from, and bear with me on this, I'm going to try not to butcher it, Cuba Requeño Cigar Company. It is a 5x52 Robusto, I believe. Is that right? I think so. Feels that way. Um... Ecuador, Connecticut, Nicaragua binder. Uh, I'm sorry, Ecuador, Connecticut wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and Nicaraguan fillers. I will save price point for last. From our friends over at Famous Smoke Shop, I learned this about tonight's cigar. Protocol Themis cigars get their inspiration from Themis, the Greek goddess of divine law and order. You know Lady Justice who holds the scales you see yeah. That's Themis. Uh, okay. that, Im- that image not only ties into the uh, Cooper Aquino Cigar Company's police officer backstory, um, but it's also a clue for just how well balanced this cigar tastes, is what Famous says. Uh, the the company uh, that makes Protocol Cigars was founded by police officers, or former okay. police officers, um, and all of their cigars are law enforcement themed um 
and I have smoked several of them. They, uh, I, I picked the Themis, but they also have the uh, Sir Robert Peel, who was the, the founder, they say, the founder of modern law enforcement. This year they're coming out with the Elliot Ness uh, cigar. Of course, uh, any fans of cinema will know uh, Elliot Ness from or Doc- fans of history. The Untouchables, of course. TV of show, and then later the uh, Brian or, movie with Kevin Costner. Or if you find yourself later in life attending college and want to be a smarty pants around <laughs> all your friends, you'll make them feel like shitheads for referencing movies instead of history books. The actual person? What, what, what class did you learn about Elliot Ness in, Ted? Uh, I didn't. It was like back okay. in high school, okay. and I learned it from The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, Al Capone was a real person too, but I, I knew I knew about that before I saw The Untouchables. Gay movies. <laughs> I don't like college boys, but I'm still gonna support the TNCC. Yeah. Uh, but no, they they have uh, they have a bunch of cigars like Probable Cause. <laughs> uh, they have they have a, a CIA one. They have they have just a bunch of different ones. But I I chose the Themis tonight because. While she represents law and order, Chuck Norris in a cowboy hat and a badge represents law and order. And if we're going to do a cop movie with a cop cigar, you might as well do a cop movie starring fucking Chuck Norris. Am I right? I hear you. So we have paired expertly the cigar with the movie Mission Accomplished. We'll see how that works out. Um... Yeah, I was gonna. It's funny because when we were talking last week about man, there's so many Chuck Norris movies. Where do we start? And my favorite, probably, if I had to pick one, would be Invasion USA. Um, I didn't want to do that because I want to do the cigar, and he's not a cop in that. What about Lone Wolf McQuaid? Thought about Lone Wolf McQuaid, but then I'd feel compelled to drink Pearl all night. And last time we did that, uh, there was. There were some some things happened, if you guys will remember right, uh, Dr. Yaks. Uh, a pleasant evening amongst gentlemen. I think that was the, actually the first uh, unofficial meeting of the Tuesday Night No Pants Club. But you know what? Also, that's a very, very popular Chuck Norris action movie. Yeah. I'm taking back my endorsement. <laughs> oh, damn it. So... Uh, I didn't want to do Lone Wolf because everybody knows Lone Wolf McQuaid. And I was like, I'd like to feature kind of one of his lesser known that are really good flicks. And then I thought of doing uh, Code of Silence, another favorite of mine. But it deals with police corruption and dirty cops. And like, and I was like, eh, it's a little too hot for, we're, we're the party podcast. We're not, we're not going to delve into uh, uh, that uh, anymore. We've done that enough this year. We've met our, our quota for um, talking about socially relevant things. So now we're back to boobs and guns. Woohoo! I'm back in business with you. Yeah! <laughs> Got him back. It's oddly enough, though, you say lesser known. I probably know more or remember more about Silent Rage than I do a lot of his other ones. I aside, say- from, aside from that convict snafu that I had earlier in the show. Uh-huh. Uh, like I remember almost the the entire opening scene beat for beat. Uh, there was some other stuff that I was surprised at because it's been a while since I've seen it. Well, but I was surprised at how much stuff movie, came back. 
if you saw this movie as a young cowpoke, uh, that opening scene probably would stick with you. It's pretty intense. Yeah, it scared the crap out of me, to be honest. Uh, but I think a lot of folks are, are maybe might be a little a little not up to speed on Silent Rage, 1982 Silent Rage. So that's the one I picked. And I'm glad <laughs> I did. Because one, it's a unique storyline, unlike Chuck did anywhere else. Two, it's quintessential Chuck doing what Chuck, in a nutshell, does best. Yeah, uh, I do playing a, a roundhouse kicking womanizing badass Texas sheriff. Um, and it's just a great movie. I love this movie. So uh, let's dig right in boys. Uh, and I am going to, before, before uh, Ted, have you already lit up? Yes. Tell us what you're getting. I, I'm about to light up. I got a really nice grassy and sweet, a little sweetness on that cold draw. That was real nice. Yeah. The cold draw actually really was pretty nice. Uh, I'm not sure I got a lot of grassiness on it, but I did get that sweetness that was there. So I kind of like that uh, coming into it. Uh, let's see. I fired this thing up. I got a light deal of cedar coming off of it. A little cedar and a kind of a pepper, but not a black pepper. It's a soft, soft pepper coming off of the, uh, uh, just on the palate. Uh, Retro Hell's a little bit of spice coming up, coming through there. It's I haven't really gotten that into it, but that's my initial. I'm actually my draw is a little tight, but I think that once it heats up, it might actually kind of loosen up. I've got a really smooth draw. I'm getting the like you said, the kind of soft soft pepper on the Retro Hell, and uh, I am getting your cedar, but I'm also getting a little bit of a mild leather uh, coming through. I can see. I could. I could see that on the thing um it's a really pretty wrapper it's a nice smoke um and like i said i'm not getting any draw issues mine mine seems really really well uh packed what about you yax uh i'll have to agree that little bit of grass uh right there initially on the light up i mean the cold draw it was there slight but when i lit up it real almost you know grass almost to like a hay then uh, it, right now, I mean, it, it's I got more of like a, a leather aroma coming, and I'm almost it's almost a, it's a sweetness, but it's almost I don't know I, I don't know if maybe the the beer and the cigar are giving me this because it's almost like it's a like a slight citrus sweetness. You know what? It's funny you said that. No, it's I'm getting like a an orange zest, like an orange peel kind of uh, vibe. On the back end, behind that that woodsy and the leather, there there is kind of a, a yeah, right. there's, yeah. There's there's a little bit of orange there. That's a good call. All right, you, that's someone. I was going to say either that or someone needs to call an ambulance because I'm having a stroke. <laughs> we should probably do that as a preemptive measure, but uh, we won't. We got the doctor here if anything goes wrong. Written by Joseph Fraley. Uh, who also wrote the 1978 Chuck Norris film, Good Guys Wear Black. That was, uh, good. that was a good one. And directed by Michael Miller, who the only film I recognized as having seen in his fairly lengthy filmography, Doctor, I, you, you might have seen this, 1982's National Lampoon's Class Reunion. Which Did was, not see it. It was kind of a horror spoof where these these people get together for their 20th reunion and the kid they bullied uh comes back and he like wears a paper bag over his head and kills a bunch of people but it's done like in a kind of satirical way i just i haven't seen it in probably 30 years i just remember as a little kid watching it and and 
getting a kick out of it. I, I'd like to track it down. It's, I, I look, it's not streaming, so um, maybe one of you guys will get me the Blu-ray for Christmas. I believe it features um, an actor in tonight's film, Stephen First. Although I didn't, I didn't actually. I, I only know that from uh, my film study. I have not seen National Lampoon's Class Reunion. Uh, I remember, I remember it being kind of cool. So uh, maybe we'll have to find some way to track that down uh, someday, somehow, somewhere. Maybe we'll do it. Probably not. Um, as the opening credits begin in silent rage, that's a good title, right? It is. I couldn't help but immediately start appreciating immediately the soundtrack score. It's a real creepy synth, uh, kind of simplified notes with a splash of sci-fi kind of effects. And it comes to us courtesy of Peter Bernstein and Mark Goldenberg. Guys? Bernstein, Bernstein and Goldenberg? They are the two who brought us the rock and soundtracks to both Hamburger, the motion picture, and Hot Dog, the movie. And I was so afraid you were going to make some sort of anti-Semitic joke, so I didn't know that at all. That's awesome. And Golden, Goldenberg wrote the lyrics to the rock and ski anthem, Top of the Hill, one of our favorite movie tunes top of all time. Top of the hill, top of the hill, love comes at the top of the hill. Top of the hill, dude. Oh man, these guys are legends. Yeah, those. These are that's who's leading us musically tonight. Hamburgers for America. Dude, we are in good hands music-wise. It actually is a good music score. Uh, It really is. I love the score. After the credits are complete, we find a sweat-soaked, crazy-looking tall dude named John lying in his bed at a halfway house of some sort. A kid's banging on his door to tell him to tell John that he has a telephone call downstairs. More kids are running around screaming, jumping around all over the place, cussing up a storm, shooting play guns at each other. And even more annoying than these little bastards is their mother who's yelling nonstop at the top Ugh. of her lungs at them to keep it down. It's without a doubt the most loud, obnoxious, stressful halfway house in all of Texas. And it was probably a poor choice to put John here, am I right? Yeah, it's the question at this point: Is he really crazy, or is just having a normal reaction? Was he normal till he moved into this halfway house with this psycho bitch? Right? I think so. Get your ass outside, you little punks, dude. They go outside. Get your ass inside. (laughs) Then they come inside. Get your ass to the playground. It's like Jesus Christ, lady. But I, I have to give kudos to the director here because the pacing of the entire thing is great. That that volume is just amped up. The dialogue is one after another. The kids' laughters are loud. Her laughter is loud. All the neighborhood sounds are kind of cranked up a little bit and giving this harsh audio edge to it. And to where he's like just sweating his butt off. It makes me uncomfortable watching it. And the and the pace is like boom, right into the next, right into the next. There's no rest for this guy at all. It. Well, it's a very long opening scene, but it does, like you say, Tut, it does just keep propelling you into this guy from the minute he wakes up. You get the feeling that 24 hours, man, he's stuck in this house, and this is what's the norm. I'm just saying when the axe dropped, there was release (laughs) for me. Yeah, no shit. Me too. Cade, what did you think of the not quite POV 
carpenter-esque shots but kind of because it, it's not from somebody's eyes but it's a ground level sort of carpenter movement track no, there, the hole. there there is a panaglide usage here and we'll see it a lot more later on in the film where it becomes very carpenter influenced I thought it was there's well a lot of carpenter influence in this. Oh, right? there's a lot of Halloween in general influence here in this film, which we'll get mm-hmm. into, and I love. But yeah, no, they they pretty much from 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 frame one, I believe that the filmmaker went into this as as making. You got to remember this is '82, so slasher films were still kind of in their their genesis. Their that you know within the last four or five years is when this is still fairly new. But I think they were grooming this guy to be a a Michael or a Jason, and they filmed it the way that you know Steve Miner and John Carpenter filmed the great slashers. Yeah, it, I think you may be right. They took notes, and it. You're right, Doctor. It's it's classic Panaglide, really well framed shots, and man, you're just watching this guy melt like a candle on screen in that first opening six or seven minutes. Well, as I said, this was probably the worst place in the world for his psychiatrist to send John. And that's made evident pretty quickly as a shaky John. He can't even take his pills out of his bottle without spilling them out while he's on the phone with his doctor, Dr. Halman. Uh, He tells his doctor he's losing it and he's got to do something. And just like that, he walks outside and grabs an axe. He tries to chop some wood to blow off some steam. Oh, that, it's horrible. That, it's like... that lasts about two seconds. Then we don't see it, but we do see him go into a chicken coop and then come out. I think he killed some chickens, seeing if that would release his pent-up frustration. He's trying. He's trying. That didn't work. Uh, he's still got the bloodlust flowing through his veins. So he goes back in the house where he kills a fellow tenant, axes him right in the forehead, and then he chops the loudmouth lady to pieces. And yes, hey, it's a movie character. She's not real. Todd, I'm with you. When The minute he killed her, I'm like, oh, thank God. Because <laughs> she got even louder when she was scared, and I didn't think that was possible. Oh, I did like the obligatory, uh, when they killed the, the other tenant, axed to the face, he was uh, the guy's back was to the camera, took, takes the axe to the face, spins around, Look at the axe. Stop. Ah, then falls over. (laughs) They wanted to make sure you get that practical in there. But before she dies, uh, she does. She is able to scream out the window to the mailman to go get help. And the mailman, he gets help. Actually, gets help. He calls in sheriff. Hey, let's give it up for our postal workers, the real heroes out there every day. This guy. Dude, if he hadn't gotten gotten on the phone and got some help, who knows where this would have gone? TNCC is true. pro TNCC is pro USPS. I don't care what you guys say. Your package will show up eventually, Todd. Just shut it. It finally got here today after a month. Oh, okay. Or not a month, but twenty two days, and it was mailed fifteen minutes away from my house. Yeah. Let's just say that in the 1982, the postal worker was getting his job done. Yeah, 
That's back when C. Everett Coop was running things. Well, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you this. I don't blame the postal workers. The postal workers who didn't didn't say that they were going to jack with the system. The postal postal workers didn't say that they were going to cut funding. The postal yeah. worker didn't say that they were going to cut staff. They had no yeah. problem with the postal worker. Exactly. And, and doctor, he was the postmaster general in the early eighties. It's it's in history books if you look at it. Is that that dude with the beard and the little bow tie? I don't believe he was ever the postmaster general. I'm pretty sure he was uh, attorney general of the United States. Uh, no, no, he he filled in. He was a surgeon general, and then he filled in for the postmaster when he was sick. I doubt the veracity of that statement, sir. <laughs> well, who does the mailman call for help? How about Sheriff Dan fucking Stevens, bam, played by bam, bam. Chuck fucking Norris, who just turned 80 years young a few months ago. No way. That's crazy, right? It's amazing. 80 years old. I didn't realize he was that old till. Uh... Yax, your video is off. I just wanted to tell you that. Yeah, Yax, we can't yeah. see you. We can hear you. That's... All right. It's fine. I just wanted to make sure that you knew. <laughs> Here's how old Chuck Norris is. Did you know that when Alexander Graham Bell invented the first telephone, he had two missed calls from Chuck Norris? No. That's a true story. And there's just going to be a big cowboy boot just come out of nowhere and kick you in the face. <sighs> I'm sorry. I actually do like Chuck Norris jokes. I'm a sucker for them all the time. Uh, Not what, the ones that someone's choosing tonight, but, you know. That would be a little cheap and easy route if I sprinkled my notes with Chuck Norris jokes. I'm not I'm not going there tonight. That, that'll be it for those. Uh, well, Dan Stevens in a sweet ass cowboy hat and his, giant, and his giant S belt buckle shows up with a handful of other cops. But for some reason, even though there's a whole squad of them, he enters the quiet house alone. Oh, that's by the right. way, I'm not going to admit. Norris. I'm not going to admit that there was one time where I had that belt buckle with a T on it. Did you really? Oh, yeah. Man, let's look at it this way, right? At this point. He doesn't. They don't know what's going on in there. The mailman saw the woman screaming from upstairs. He shows up. You don't see any yeah. blood or anything like that. Or so he's kind of thinking like a woman was yelling at the mailman, and the yeah. mailman quickly called the cops. But so well, I can kind of see Chuck saying like, "I'll just go in here by myself." Well, well, like many like many law enforcement agencies, they get to a domestic disturbance call and they have no clue what's about to happen. We'll see very soon, though, that this is modus operandi for this department. It could have been a, a a house with a guy in every window with a machete, and they would have let Chuck go in there by himself. His deputies suck. He has no – the most un... – we'll get to it. Don't you just say this is, this is by himself anyways? Like, hey, well, you, you need backup. You just – Yell at us and let us know. I know. You I know. think he Otherwise, realized. Otherwise, I'm just sending shit. Sending Stevens. Stevens. His deputies are so inept, I think he feels like he's safer by himself, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I, I don't know if this is the right place, and, and we can talk about it later, but I know in Cedar Park we had a, we had a pretty bad incident uh, last week. Uh, and, and it just reminded me, because this is basically a domestic service call, I mean, a domestic disturbance call. Uh, now, granted, there was a crowd standing out on the street that actually saw this lady scream for help, but 
anyway, so they got they get the CPD gets a call, uh, shows up to a house. There's three of them. It's, it's a it's a guy with a history of mental illness. They walk into, they clear the first floor, and you know they've been out to this house before. It, this guy's never gone this way, but you know I, I can only imagine that they're they're, they're like, oh, you know what, we've been here before. Uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see what's going up. But anyway, they go. They make their way up to the second floor, and the guy opens up and doesn't say a word, just starts firing and tags three of them. And it's amazing because of their training, they didn't fire back blindly because he he had hostages. He had his mom. He was holding his mom hostage there in the room, and they had the wherewithal to drag themselves down the stairs out of the house, each other. And they got, you know, fortunately they were taken away to the hospital and, uh, they, they're all three survived. I mean, they're in stable condition right now, but I was just like, man, that's those domestic disturbance calls. They, they get, they get crazy. They can go sideways fast. Um, I don't know why I wanted to throw that in there, but it felt like the right place to do that. Now on to Chuck Norris kickassery. It's, it's in your neighborhood and it's, it's very topical, obviously. Um, but no, I think the reason he goes in alone is because Chuck Norris is a legend, and that's what legends do. Uh, do you know legend has it that Chuck Norris once ate at Taco Bell without getting diarrhea? I believe that. He's a strong son of a bitch. So the sheriff makes his I way... I thought you sl- weren't going to take these cheap, ja- these te- cheap jabs, sprinkling your notes in. But that was the last one, right? You're breaking up me, Todd. I, I can't hear you. Okay. All right. Your audio's muted. Uh, so the sheriff makes his way slowly through the house, room by room. It's a really slow trip through this house, but it works. It's tense. Until he's pounced on upstairs finally by the sweaty lunatic, John. They duke it out until John realizes you can't win a battle of fists with Chuck Norris. So he crawls out an upstairs window and jumps down to the front lawn. With, Sharon, with uh, Sheriff Stevens hot on his trail. A bubbling deputy named Charlie, or shall we call him Deputy Gonzer? Uh-huh. Up the creek! Well, Up or Kate, if you were a little more well-versed, we would call him Flounder. From Animal. Oh, yes. but, oh okay. So I spent, I spent 15 minutes saying, that's Gonzer. No, that's Flounder. No, that's Gonzer. No, that's Flounder. And, Flounder. and then I totally forgot that because I was like, okay, that's not Gonzer. That's Flounder. He's from Animal House. But man, he sure looks like Gonzer. He sounds like Gonzer. He'll it's always Gonzer. be Gonzer to Tuesday Night Cigar Club fans. Uh, we we loved him in Up the Creek, one of our, I think, episodes Gonzer. two or three. Gonzer. Yeah. Gonzer is Flounder. What's the uh, Ace Ventura? Einhorn is. Yeah, Einhorn is. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel. Gonzer is Flounder. Flounder is Gonzer. Um, yeah, so this bubble, this bubbling idiot, he attempts to shoot John, but he didn't know how to work his gun, so he almost shoots his boss, Sheriff Stevens, <laughs> instead. And he just kind of shrugs up, is that something I did? <laughs> Classic Gonzer. I'm sorry. I love him in every scene that he, he's in. He's a fun screen presence. Oh. Well, he was. He died. Um... Stevens finds the growling and moaning John. I'm not happy and... anymore. Do I? I'm not happy anymore. I was happy talking about Gonzer, and then he had like, oh, he's dead. I'm not happy anymore. 
you're really shocked that 40 years after this <laughs> not movie, shocked at all Gonzer's dead <laughs> no I'm not no I'm not boy that one really caught me off guard <laughs> um, well Stephen finds the as I said growling and moaning John he's like animalistic as he crawls through the woods and again those other officers that were standing outside the house when Sheriff Stevens jumped off they don't follow him chasing this guy in the woods. They just oh, you know that's Dan. He's just do, let let Dan do Dan. They know enough to get in the way. He's got this, and they wrestle it out uh, in the woods until Stevens finally knocks the weirdo out with a two by four, and draw drags John out to his deputies. As soon as he hands him to the deputies, we got it from here, Sheriff. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Tut style. Maybe Stevens has some kind of agreement with them where I'll do the butt kicking, I'll make the arrest, but never, never does Sheriff Dan do any fucking paperwork. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you got it from here. Yeah, you I'm got it. Go from have here. a cheeseburger. You, you, you're goddamn right you got it from here. You type in uh, Dr. and Egg White Omelet. It's Chuck Norris. Whatever. He, no, he orders a burger. I don't think so. Yeah, he does when he goes to get his hot tea. We'll get to that later. Okay, I'm pretty sure he got an omelet. Are you sheriff? Gonzer was eating two cheeseburgers, but he ordered an omelet. No onions. I he said a cheeseburger, no onions. No, it was an omelet. You boys better iron out these disagreements, or I'm pulling my financing. Yeah. I know because I tied it into a Chuck Norris okay. egg, egg joke. Uh, I, thought he, I thought he said cheeseburger, no onions, but I could be wrong, so. It, it, was, it was an omelet. Okay. With okay. onions. Who's keeping this track? This time you said no onions. Who's keeping track? Either way, hold, Cade, my point is Cade you guys are taken from here. Cade Google one, Doctor Zero. What was that? Never mind. I didn't realize we were keeping score. Someone always keeps score. Chuck Norris settles the score. Um, seriously though, John, when he found him in the woods, was acting like a zombie. Am I right? Like making these guttural animal noises. And he tried to bite uh, Sheriff Dan at some point. I mean, this dude's fucking crazy. Nobody eats Chuck Norris. I don't care how hungry you are. That's that's an ill-advised thing to do. Did y'all know that Chuck Norris can pour a pancake so thin it only has one side? No, I did not. I've seen it. It's pretty impressive. But check this shit. In the back of the squad car, John breaks the chain of his handcuffs, kicks the d- car door clean off the, the the cop car, shoves a deputy's head through the window, and beats up beats up a bunch of other dudes before he's finally shot a dozen times by Stevens and his deputies. They they decide to help out at this point. When their buddy's head is shoved through the window, I guess we need to do something. Um. John's doctor, Dr. Howman, arrives on the scene. I'm from the Institute. I need to talk to him. Uh, and he races John away for emergency surgery at the Institute. Uh, uh, now we're going to go to the regular county hospital down here. Your boy just killed like about a dozen people. Doctor, I don't care what institute you're from. Doctor, who uh, is playing Dr. Howman? I'll be the one and only Ron Silver. I like this guy. I'm going to mention it later. Man, he's one of those dudes that I feel like he's been in a lot more than he had. But, I mean, 
he was in a lot of 80s flicks, especially. He was doing a ton yeah. of stuff. Yeah. A ton of stuff. But, man, he's really – I'll mention at a certain point later on, he's almost too good for this movie. He's really, really good. He is. He's yeah. very good. Yeah, he's been – It's. you're right. It's one of those things where I know I've seen him in a bunch of movies and television over can't a couple name of one. decades, but I can't really think of something off the top of my head. Dude, he has, like – a million credits and he's like a, a Ron Silver. That's a popular, but dude, I can't, I can't tell you one Ron Silver movie, but God, he's, he's, he's really good in this. He's really good in this. Perfectly cast as the doctor. I, I kind of yeah, agree with you because he, he did feel too good for this movie in, in a weird a, way. He was damn good in this. Uh, was he too good for Time Cop with Von Dom? Oh yeah, it was the bad guy in Time Cop. That's right. Way to go Yaks. I'm, I was about to go to the phone. Way to go Yaks. Good job, brother. Well, hey, before we go to the Institute to uh, see where things go from there, how's the cigar going? Uh, it's actually kind of going just the same direction. It's that cedar. Uh, I did get the leather. Well, actually, the leather's kind of taken over. That cedar's not not a lot there on the on the uh, on the palate. It's just kind of kind of kind of sprinkling in some flavor above that that leather, which is dominating. Um, and then the uh, yeah the the retro hail is just that nice soft pepper. Uh, it's just a nice, it's a nice retro hail, but it's not anything that's, you know, too powerful. It's a very pleasant retro hail. Um, and I'm still getting the leather and the orange. Uh, for me, that orange, I, I'm not halfway. I'm, I'm about to the end of the first third. Um, man, that orange zest kind of with that leather and it's kicking that cedar in the background a little bit. Um, I don't want to admit it because there's part of me that's like maybe it's like friend influence or you hear something and all of a sudden you taste it. But ever since y'all, ever since y'all mentioned it, that that and you're right, it's just on the back of the palate on the on the back side of that draw. Yeah, and that and that's still with me even now. And I was like, you know, I'm surprised. I figured that would be something just from the initial light up and, and that getting that first third. But no, I mean, I'm I'm hitting about halfway and it's still there. It's very slight. It, but I mean, it's and like I said, I thought it was something that maybe was, I was just getting a combination flavor between that and the beer. But no, that stayed. The leather is very pronounced right now. I'm not really getting any any cedar notes like y'all mentioned, but it's it, it's very nice. It's very it's it's light, but I mean, it's solid. Yeah, right and I will say that it's it's interesting to me because I don't think I've ever had a cigar come across my palate and go orange zest. That's the note I'm getting. The only down uh, mark I would give on this bad boy is I'm not even to the halfway mark, and I'm starting to get a little hot on the draw. Like yeah, it's burning fast. Like it's no, it's literally burning uh, hot like, on my lips. Well, uh, uh, and again, you can't ever hear me say, "Yeah, that cigar smoking uh, fast." Yeah, but, I mean, you smoke cigars like a crackhead does crack. Um, <laughs> was that offensive to crackheads? Maybe. Damn it. Uh, but right now, man, I'm thinking with that, because uh, if anybody's going to get the orange on the cigar, it's going to be me with this kind of... Uh, Orangey beer? Citrus, no, it's coming across in the oatmeal, too. Citrus, citrus heavy beer. So now I'm glad. Actually, I think Yaks is the first to pick up yeah. on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right now, I'm thinking this would be a phenomenal breakfast cigar. I was about to say morning would be... And it's not just because of the orange zest. With your glass of orange juice. No, we're not that basic. Well, we kind of are. But, uh, yeah, this would be a really good morning cigar. 
I'm just saying you pour you a nice clean clean grass or a glass of OJ. You go outside and you sniff the fresh mowed grass. Ah. Soak in the sweet chirping birds of any town USA. I thought you were gonna say this would make a nice morning beer. <laughs> oh no, this this beer actually would be a good morning beer. You're having your cornflakes and scrambling some eggs. What you want is the double IPA from Hazy I, Memory or whatever the fuck. Uh, Distill Brewery in Normal. Distill. 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 Uh, okay. Well, at the institute. Uh, while John is getting the bullets pulled out of his body, Sheriff Stevens gets some x-rays there, even though he's told the Institute isn't really a hospital as it's more centered on molecular medicine and genetic engineering, which is kind of weird, right? Because this is a very small little Texas town, like with a diner and three cops, but they have this Institute who's doing this revolutionary. Did Tut freeze or is he like, give me the evil? What's that look you give me? You'll get to it. You'll get to it. Keep going. I'm not giving you the look. Okay. Well, yeah, they're they're they're, they're not really a, a Am hospital. Am I getting the look? No, no, none of you are. None of you are. No. It's uh, you. <laughs> it looks like Don Imus in that cowboy hat <laughs> giving us that, that grumpy old look. It's terrifying. Uh, How do you expect me to do my job looking at me like that? Uh, <laughs> oh God! I to, like. Hide the words you never want to hear is you look like Don Imus in that yeah. cowboy hat. Yeah, that's, that's harsh, man. I was going for Burt Reynolds. That was close. Hitting and miss. Uh, look like Don Imus. I'm only 23 years old. <laughs> Drinking his podcast ruined my life. <laughs> Double IPAs have ruined my life. <sighs> Uh, as I as I was saying, uh, this isn't really a, a traditional hospital. They're more centered on molecular medicine and genetic engineering. Doctor, have you ever dabbled in molecular medicine at all? I have not, sir. Um, I would like to point out, however, that you know, again, when we're dealing with uh, the world of celluloid. We don't want to dig too deeply into what's realistic and what isn't. Um, and again, it's silent rage. You know, it's Chuck Norris. It's it's an awesome movie, but there's a bit of a stretch here that the town is large enough. It's at least it's at least Halloween two sized town. Maybe just because the movie reminds me of Halloween two in some respects. But there's at least going to be a, a county hospital that's not that far away. No, we send them to the institute. You're, you're going to go. It, it's it's not. Out of bounds, there could be a research institute in a small town if they wanted to keep things uh, under their radar, especially in the early 80s. But that they would have taken this guy there and been able to give him medical attention and also seen to the sheriff's superficial wounds, that's a bit of a a Hollywood stretch there. But it's not not so bad that you really pick at it. Point of order? I'll I'll give it a pass. Point of order? Uh, I will say that... uh, Cody's town has a bioscience district where they are doing cutting edge research. It's actually pretty nice. Uh, That's and, a town. Temple's a town of what? 75,000? No, yeah. it also has the largest hospital in the continental United States. <laughs> I believe. I mean, it's, okay, so if you want to, you can poke holes in my analogy. 
I think I just punched one right through there, Tut. Sorry. I well, this- I am saying that as a person, I know that you said that you are not that familiar with molecular biology, but oh, as God. someone who has had one day of molecular biology where we went over the sim- syllabus and now I consider myself a contemporary, um, the things in the science uh, progressed in this movie, I think, are quite legitimate, I'll tell you, as the course goes on. Well, thank God we're doing this show now after you've just read the syllabus and not two months from now. All I said was I had no, I had no previous inform- in knowledge or specialty. In oh, left- I know doctor school gets into some stuff. Doctor, if uh, Tut at any point brings out his graphing calculator, could you punch him through your Zoom square? <laughs> or roundhouse kick him through your uh, Zoom square? There you go. Uh, well, what Tammy? Well, once the uh, surgical team determines that John is as good as dead and beyond repair, most of the doctors exit the room, but Dr. Halman and two other slimy white coats led by Dr. Phil, not that idiot on TV, the another Dr. Phil, they decide to inject John with their top secret serum, Mitogen 35. What else Which doc, doctor, that sounds like something we would have taken, like a weightlifting supplement in the nineties. Yeah, it sounds like I think I yeah I think I saw the the Aaron Henry story starring Ben Affleck in nineteen ninety four on HBO where I think he took some Mitoplex. Um, so Phil, uh, I'm not going to put him anywhere in, in the Ron Silver category, but it's another one of those guys, Stephen Keats. Who is this guy? Because man, he was so familiar. Big time seventies actor. I think in the 80s, things kind of petered out for him. But I would also kind of put him in another guy that, that might have been too good for stuff. I mean, he was... He's good. How do, you, how do you not... How do you not... Or how do you forget those eyes? Those are like the most intense stares in just the normalist Dr. amount of dialogue that I've Dr. ever Phil? seen. Yeah, the, the... I mean, he was just like... Well, I'm surprised... dead staring people. I'm surprised you didn't recognize him, uh, Tut, because I was trying like hell to figure out where I knew this guy from. And in his early filmography, he appeared in all of your shows. He had like two Magnum episodes, two Simon and Simon episodes. He was on a Riptide. Like, dude, he he did them all. Riptide. Oh, now I feel stupid because I was just like, how do you not even recognize that? Or how do you forget those eyes? And then you're like, uh, Magnum P.I., Simon, Simon, Riptide. I'm like, oh, shit, I've seen all those. Oh, Cade One Tut Zero. <laughs> well, he's been giving me that goddamn stink eye all night. He's got to knock no, that shit I off. Was, I was playing the character who stares oh, people down. Oh, oh, is that what you're doing? Yes. I thought you. I did something. No, I wasn't wrong. giving you stink eye. No. I thought I did something wrong, and you were angry with me. I don't give you stink <laughs> eye like that. I give you side eye. Whole time. Yes, yes. The over the glasses just stare. Okay. Come on, Kate. I don't stare you down like that. I give you side eye. And then he gets angry. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> That's later. That's later. <laughs> uh, well, sure enough, the Mitogen 35 serum revives John's heartbeat. Their, se- their super secret serum works. But Dr. Hallman pleads with his colleague, Phil, to pull the plug on John as his brainwaves are all over the place due to the Mitogen 35. And the guy was already batshit crazy to begin with. And now... Now you want to give him super serum? And now it's even crazier. Phil reluctantly agrees, but once Dr. Oh, thank Hel- goodness. Once Dr. Hellman exits the room, he looks over at his cohort, Dr. Paul, 
and tells him to shoot John up with even more mitogen 35 and bring him back from the dead a second time. This isn't going to be good, is it, Yax? No, it isn't. And also, I was curious about the units they're using. He's like, give them 25,000 units. Well, that seems like a lot. Like, just <laughs> give them 50,000 units. But then, no, it jumps up astronomically. He's like, all right, you know what? Go ahead and give them 50 billion units. But it's still that one syringe. Like, my like, God, man. I, mean, I was like, I was like, you know, most I can remember in medicine, they're like, give them 10 cc's. Yeah. Well, what is 50,000 units? I mean, give Jesus. him a full C. Comes in with that giant novelty syringe, <laughs> shoves it up his ass. <laughs> this is not going yeah. to be good. The syringe you. from a uh, uh, Cannonball Run too. Yeah. This is not going to be good for science or for the people of this little town. Uh, but you know what is quite good, fellas? What is that? That's right, Ted. I'm talking about the highly complex, masterfully blended Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar from our friends at Drew Estate. Drew Estate? The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco to you noobs, uh, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added while immense pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year. It's shaken out. Then it's repacked. Tut, we've seen them do that. It is something to witness, man. You want to talk about scientists. Those guys working that tobacco in those barrels are scientists. Uh the total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. That's longer than baking a baby in your belly. When you smoke the cigar, it's like you're more work went in the cigar than it took to make a human being, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. And who knows if it fits your flavor profile, you might just love the cigar more than you love your baby. <laughs> I will say this though, uh, I, I've seen those guys who work those railroad jacks, uh-huh. and uh, if Chuck Norris came and Roundhouse kicked them to the face, yeah, I think he'd actually tip his hat to them. Yeah, I think I think they'd look at him and smile, and he'd just be like, smile back. The Pappy Van Winkles, some tough, tough dudes. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick and mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Go get you one and let us know what you think. All right. Uh, I'm gonna relight my cigar. I, mine, I believe, is just going out because I'm I'm ta- I'm not giving it the attention it deserves. Are you guys having to relight it all? No, no. Okay. Um, well, that's on me. Um, but as I do that, my the, my only thing is that uh, it it has been a little bit tighter than I like in terms of the in terms of the draw, but it hasn't you know, diminish my enjoyment of it. I'm still getting all the flavors, like all the flavors that you guys are mentioning. They're all there. I'm not having to, it's not like I'm having to work and work and work for this cigar. So, you know, it's not, it's not bad. I mean, I just want to say it's tight, but I don't want to say it's like, it's hampering the cigar. Did you try clipping the cap again? No, no, I did not. I probably should. I would clip, I would clip, clip, clip it one more time with your cutter and see if that helps at all. I don't know. At this point, I'm almost down to the third. 
sometimes it's as simple as as, as that. Um, but um, yeah, um, as I enter the halfway mark here, I am man that leather and the that orange that unique orange sensation is really really nice. The pepper on the nose has been very consistent. Uh, I gotta say, man, kudos with that orange flavor. I, I want to know, man. I just, I'd like to, and uh, maybe you guys have some insight because y'all went down to uh, to uh, Nicaragua and y'all were talking to these blenders and, and spent a lot of time there looking at how this process is done. Man, I just want to know, one, did they intend for the orange taste to be there? And two, I want to know like what that process was. It's like, okay, I need this. I need that Ometepe over there. I need that Jalapa. I need you know this. I'm going for an orange zest. It's actually a lot simpler than that, Tut. Uh, in the blending process, they just basically open up a pouch of orange Kool-Aid and just sprinkle the dust in the cigar itself. It's that simple. not how it works at all. Rog, you don't know about these sun-kissed people. You don't know how deep this goes. They're too big. <laughs> they just soak the leaves in sun-kissed, for God's sake. Okay. No, no it's, it is... it is. Now, this would, this would be a question for Willie at Drew State, Master Blender Willie Herrera. Um, to find that leaf in that ratio that will give you that flavor profile and for that to shine through that abundance of other filler leaves to where you actually get it because you can sprinkle, you know, this is one thing we, we learn. It's all about ratios. I mean, if you, yeah. if you, if you acquire a tobacco, you know, from a small farm that has this uh, certain soil and gives you this really unique flare profile. Okay. But if you don't get that ratio right in the filler cigar, and keep in mind, you're usually doing at least four to five different sizes of cigars, so you got to keep that ratio. You got to yeah. test it out, and maybe it works different in a Toro than a Robusto or a Churchill. But if you want that to shine, that special tobacco, and you want us to get that orange flavor, I mean, you got to be on top of shit, and you got to manage the hell out of the rest of that filler tobacco. And who knows? I'm saying filler tobacco. Maybe the orange is coming from the the binder. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's a binder they used because it had that, and the binder's going to give you the you know a little more uh, presence. Maybe that's what we're experiencing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just that's I don't, why these, I don't that's, ever recall getting uh, orange zest off an of Ecuador Haman, uh, Ecuador uh, Connecticut. Connecticut. No, I, yeah, I've, uh, I've I've not this strong, not yeah. this not this prominent. I've I've gotten some floral, some citrusy, some. But now you, you're also right because it's also kind of and it's just now I'm a, now I'm about to get into full cigar geek. It's always been curious to me because I know that you know as a blender I've talked with enough blenders to where they're like oh yeah it's all and you're right it's all about ratio. So when you go from one vitola to the next, you're trying to keep that specific ratio in play, but it doesn't always happen. And there seems to be like, you know, if you get like a Grand Perfecto versus, uh, you know, a Petit Robusto or whatever, like uh, there's 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 like a cigar I actually smoked uh, here recently because I, I had the Grand Perfectos. I I don't want to mention any names, but I had I had the cigar. What was first. the cigar? What was it the was, cigar? Okay, it was the Roma Craft Baca. Okay. And we had uh, I can't remember. It was like the regular size. Uh, uh, that's, that's our expertise talking. The regular size. Well, it's kind of the oatmeal. 
There's a bunch but, of different sizes. What's the regular size? I don't know. It was it was like a five by four fifty two, uh, okay. just a regular kind of whatever they are. Like a robusto. Kind of, sort of, maybe a little bit longer, but about that same ring gauge. Okay. And then, and that was like, okay, that's kind of cool. And I, I, I tried it because I think it was like one of his, uh, his big uh, Cameroon wrapper pushes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I want to kind of, I want to kind of dabble my toes in that. It and is was the like, first African Cameroon wrapper. And I was like, okay, it's kind, it's kind of cool, but it's, it's not exactly me. And then I tasted the uh, Grand Robust, uh, I mean the Grand um, Perfecto Baca. And that cigar sang. It lit up and it it enthralled me the entire way through. And I was just like, and, and you know I'm a Wondercraft guy, and I mean a Wonder Wonderlust guy. And I that that Baca Grand Perfecto, I I much preferred it to then. And I was just kind of like, and then and then I was like, all right, well let's let's try the other the other Vitola just to make sure what's going on. And sure enough, I was I was underwhelmed with it. But it's it's interesting how that Vitola size just plays with you too. Well, obviously, I mean, yeah. Uh, and when I say you mix the ratios to get the the spirit of the blend the same, but not necessarily the same experience. Right. That's why you're choosing a different size um, as opposed to a different one. Because yes, you, you will find that one, as you said, that sings to you. For me, the Liga Nine Corona Doble. Right. Doble. Uh, the big, the big boy, right. uh, was my go-to forever, and for years, uh, when I'd smoke a robusto or even a, a, a toro in the size, it just man that the, the the big Corona was my my that was my my jam that was my favorite Liga Nine, and then uh, when they released, I believe it was the the smaller Corona mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, yeah, it, it captured what I loved about the big boy in a smaller size. And that even outshine the the robusto and the toro. So yeah, I mean they got to make it fun. They got to make it interesting. They got to make you try a bunch of stuff to find what fits within within that profile. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what makes this shit so much fun. That's what makes the world of cigars so much fun. I agree. I agree. You you mentioned cigar nerding out, and that's what that was. And I I love it. I, I love getting in the nuts and bolts of it. Um, because I'm like a lot of things like molecular genetics or whatever the hell you were talking about. I understand cigars somewhat <laughs> for a simpleton like myself. Well, Sheriff Dan Stevens needs to get a ride home from the Institute somehow after he cut Gonzer loose. I mean, Charlie loose. So he sweet talks his ex-girlfriend, Allison, who he encounters at the Institute. She works there and he sweet talks her into giving him a lift. And get this, she also happens to be Dr. Hellman's sister. Did y'all recognize her? I did. Dude, here's the deal. Before you say who she is, I bet Tud didn't recognize her. I thought I recognized that sweater, those sweater hams. No, I didn't recognize her necessarily by her appearance. It was her attitude. I recognized her her immediately. And her her kind of just... uh, the world is crushing me. Just this, this miserable attitude. I'm like, where have I, but I dude, it's one of the few times that I just, I didn't go to IMDb. I'm like, boy, this chick's essence just is so strong. It's big pussy's wife from the Sopranos. 
What? Yeah. She went from banging Chuck Norris to Big Pussy. But, dude, remember in The Sopranos, she was always just complaining and bitching about everything. And she's such a sourpuss in this thing. I recognized her just from her demeanor. Yeah, but she looks good. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's got, per- she's, got perky, she's got perky breasts. Here we, to here. We get to see them a lot. But her face, eh. I give it a. Cute. I didn't think she looked bad twenty years later when she was Big Pussy's wife, but I, yeah, I, she's got cute eyes. I recognized her immediately. It was just funny that like great that, personality. It was just funny that that's like her shtick is like the miserable, downtrodden like. That's her typecast. She just hooks up with just horrible dudes. Um. Well, she's not happy about it one bit. Apparently, their breakup was so bad six years ago. The first thing she does does when she sees Chuck Norris. Slap the shit out of him at the water fountain. And he just laughs. Not many people can say that they've slapped Chuck Norris in the face and lived to tell about it. If you want a list of Chuck Norris's enemies, just check the extinct species list. Right. Uh, that's but how he, you know he's a ladies' man. But dude, she hates his guts. He hurt her. He broke her heart. But here he is in her car getting her right home, twirling her hair. Laying on the chunk. Oh, it's creeper style, actually. Oh, and and not only is he twirling her hair, he's like sticking his finger in her ear. Do you see yeah, that? I'm just like, yes. I'm like, oh my goodness. 1982. This is what you could. This is what you could do in those days. This is. I mean, you might as well be chunking down a road beer at that point. Uh, I'm surprised he wasn't. <laughs> oh, it was there. We just didn't see it. Uh, well, my God, I would need to to listen to her bitching the whole way home. Oh my God, just telling what a lousy boyfriend he was and. She says, there is no way in hell I'm going to have sex with you tonight. Well, no, no, no. It specifically, it was, it's a snowball's chance in hell. That uh, I... But that snowball belongs to Chuck Norris. <laughs> and hard edit. And but to them having sex <laughs> at his place. And this, this isn't a Norris joke, all right? It's just what it is. It's 1982. It's Chuck Norris. You're ending up in bed with him. I mean, it's just... We would have ended up in bed with him. But the only thing I can say at this point Chuck, is... Chuck, look, there's no way in hell I'm going to end up in bed with you after giving you a right. Cut to Tut's, be- cut to t- Tut's bedroom. All of a sudden that hand comes <laughs> I'm in. I'm going to hate myself in the morning. Pulls out the earphone, starts tickling Tut's ear. <laughs> no, but the thing that I love the most is here is, you know, there's Chip Norris, and I'm like sitting going, all these actors nowadays... They talk about how this intense workout regimen to get ready for this role. I was in the gym lifting and doing all blah, blah. And I'm sitting here going, looking at Chuck Norris going, I wonder how many months it took him to get rid of all of his body hair. <laughs> it was, he, just gra- he just grabbed out one of those Bowflex or whatever he used to sell on, on Bowflex. <laughs> just going at it. Didn't get the manscapers. Uh, well, fun fact, guys. Did you... I bet you didn't know this. Chuck Norris lost his virginity before his dad did. Why? Why? I'm just surprised that I haven't heard some of these jokes. My advice to you is to keep drinking heavily. Uh, I am. I I am on my... Advice taken, doctor. As uh, we talk about Dan and Allison making love, I'm on my fourth uh, Haze of the Dead. I gotta admit, I've 
I've been kind of, for the sake of beer science, I've been sampling a ton of these hazy IPAs that we're inundated with lately. This is one of the better ones. Uh, it's, oh, yeah? got a nice, it's got a real nice citrus profile. Uh, the, the hot presence is really, pre- the hot presence is present. Imagine that. Uh, it is it is bitter, um, but it's smooth. It's really smooth on the back end. I'm I'm, I'm liking this beer a lot. I I never heard of Distill Brewery. Yeah, did I say that right? Yes. Yes, they actually uh, they the the beer you're drinking uh, is actually part of what they call their Deadhead series. Uh, they're big fans of the Grateful Dead, and they did a whole uh, thing of hazy IPAs. Uh, I think yours is like the fifth or sixth in the, that line. Uh, they've done a, one called the Extended Jam, uh, Touch of Haze, uh, the Funkin' Groovin'. Franklin's Haze? No, not Franklin's Haze. Oh, Touch of Haze. Oh. Play on the song Touch of Gray. Oh, yeah. Franklin's Tower. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. Don't, don't Maggie ever- Hayes' farm. Uh, my my mom in her Chuck Norris action jeans one year uh, brought me the Purple Haze beer from Abita Brewery. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's in Louisiana. Uh, is that right, Yax? Abita's in there? Yeah. Man, it's like a blueberry beer. <laughs> or, uh, oh, man. It, it was literally the worst beer. And the fact that she gave it to me while wearing my Chuck Norris action jeans, <laughs> that was like a double, double insult. <laughs> On my birthday. Uh, again, this is stuff I should be talking to my therapist about, not you guys. Uh, All right, well, boys, I uh, I cashed out on that protocol, by the way. Oh, okay. Well, then, real quick, uh, before we burst through this film, um, I'm almost through as well. Um, leather, orange, some cedar, some constant, nice, soft pepper on the retro. It actually uh, picks up a little strength, not in the last third but like in the last ninth i mean it it was like it was really weird it was right there at the end that strength just kind of pops up math face now 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 we can't talk about cigars in thirds anymore we got to break it down to the ninths well because Uh, it didn't do it in the third i swear if you bring out that graphing calculator doctor's gonna roundhouse kick you right in the face now look now look at now look at here now here you got the one third of the of the scar over here and the strength is kind of parallel. That's, that's no good. That's no good. But over here on the one night, the strength kind of pops up. That's good. That's good. It did. It, the strength did maybe. I didn't notice, but I could maybe it fluctuated a little bit there. Okay. But yeah, it was, it was it was the same. It was the same pattern throughout the entire the entire cigar. Uh, but it was a very enjoyable cigar. I liked it. Um, Yak yeah, boy price point. I'm gonna go. Nine. Nine bucks. Cut. Okay, this is going to... Oh, man, this actually turned out tougher than I thought it would because I, I, I made a last-minute addition in my head. It's in Ecuadorian Connecticut, and for all the... Uh, this is not your father, Connecticut's, which they didn't build this as. They didn't build it as, you know, this is a ballsy Connecticut, whatever. Maybe they did. I didn't read their press release. I hope not, because if they didn't, I appreciate the fact that it was a ballsy Connecticut. Um, not not like super ballsy, but, you know, not Chuck Norris ballsy, but, you yeah. know. 
Gons are Gons are ballsy. Gons. Uh, what did the axe go? Nine. Nine. Ten. No, 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 no. I'll I'll go. Uh, I'll go eight fifty. Well, you should have stuck with ten. You were closer, but I'll okay. meet you boy. I'll meet you boys in the middle. These go for nine sixty nine. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, and while these were provided to us by the manufacturer for review, you can find them on sale right now at famoussmokeshop.com. And by using promo code TUT, TNCC20, and you don't even have to do that. Go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the famoussmokeshop.com banner, and it will enter that promo code for you. You can knock that price down if you buy a box by about $2 a stick. You're welcome. That's like seven sixty a stick, and that's a dynamite deal. So if you're looking for a really um, interesting uh, profile in your morning cigar. What cigar are you going to have that gives you orange zest? This one. It's literally the only cigar I've ever tasted that off of. Go to FamousSmokeShop.com and try for yourself. Uh, yeah, this was nice. And I, I will admit... I smoked uh, several of the offerings from Protocol, and I chose this one because I liked it best. Okay. Uh, I, I smoked uh, their Lancero, the CIA. I smoked the Probable Cause. I smoked. I actually did Probable Cause for the Blind Man Puff website, which I reviewed some cigars for them. Yeah. Um, I didn't care too much for it. The Sir Robert Peel was uh, was okay, but I, I like this cigar. That I chose it because I liked it the best. Of okay, I have the uh, Lancero in the humidor, so I'm gonna I'm go- I'll be kind of curious to see it. Okay, all right. They've got a promo code, and that's why I'm still financing them. Yeah. <laughs> we can't lose that promo code. We cannot lose that promo code. Uh, all right. And now. Because I'm doing a Chuck Norris movie. Yeah. Wearing a cowboy hat. What are you smoking next? Uh, the box press Neanderthal from Roma Craft. Ooh. Yeah, we want to get a toothy, ballsy some bitch. That is one of the ballsiest cigars on the market, my friend. And oh, it doesn't yeah. brag about it. It's just like Chuck Norris. It roundhouse kicks you in the palate, and then just smiles at your woman. Yeah. If a cigar had chest hair. It would be the Neanderthal. Uh, that is I w- true. I wish I had one. Uh, I'm going to have to grab a cigar here in a minute, but I, I'll get you a little more into the flick um, before we do. The next morning, keep in mind, they stayed up making love all night long. Stevens has worked up an appetite, so he meets Deputy Charlie down at the local diner for breakfast. A trio of motorcycle gang punks try to start some trouble, but the sheriff quickly puts that fire out before it even starts. As the punks ride off, swearing, this ain't over, sucker. Can we say that one of the punks uh, had some nice assets? There was two uh, males and a female, and the female had some some perky, tattooed um, breasts. In the words of the Confederate Railroad country music band from the 90s, I do like my women a little on the trashy side. Oh, she was trashy. (laughs) Actually, in the credits, that's her name, Trashy. Trashy. (laughs) Yes, but the best part of this diner scene that I love more than anything, because it was something that I hadn't heard in a long time, candy ass. Oh, yeah? Candy asses. You need to watch more wrestling. 
Yeah, The Rock was a big one. Well, good. I know, but I was just like, yeah. in a movie, I was like, man, no one has used the word candy ass forever, especially yeah. in film. Well, Tut, did you at least your candy ass enjoy looking at their motorcycles? You're a motorcycle guy. They, Actually, it, I did, man. Those are some sweet ass bikes. And they were in it. It was like straight 70s throwback. It was like they were like, give me that easy rider clip. Okay, I want to model this after those yeah, guys. I thought you'd like those choppers. Um, and that's right. 70s, they were the choppers. Big old ape hangers, long yeah. forks down the deal. Uh, did y'all know that Chuck Norris once did a wheelie on a unicycle? Did not know that. And he didn't even, he wasn't from Austin, so he didn't do it ironically. No, he did not do it ironically. He doesn't do anything ironically. I do, I do have to say that I love this dialogue at the end of the scene when they chase these bikers away. And uh, Gonzer is just like, you know, I, sh- I could have done something, I should have done something. And then there was that whole, you know, yeah, you know, walk softly and carry a big stick. That's my motto. And Chuck, and you know, nowadays, like the the hero would give like some smart ass remark, Tut style. Chuck's too good for that. Chuck just looks at Gonzer nicely, and he just like, yep, yeah, man's got to have a motto. It's and true. that line always sticks with me. I don't know why. On their way out of the diner, after Charlie has woofed down his two plates of cheeseburgers and the onions from Stevens omelet did y'all know that chuck norris makes onions cry i had heard that yes the chunky deputy confesses that he thinks he might be in the wrong line of work after that debacle the day before with john the psycho he's really down i've never been a fan of violence i've never gotten into a fist fight but you're right, Tut. Stevens assures him, you know what? I'd hate for you to give up on this because I think you're going to be a great lawman. He does it all by putting his boot up. <laughs> Whenever he's got something important to say, do you guys notice that? He puts his boot up. Oh, he hikes his leg up on he something. Hikes, he hikes his leg up on something. He does it later with Allison, too. Whenever he's talking about something important, he puts his leg up at, a, at an elevated height, his boot. And the funny thing is is that when he puts it up on the, on the bumper of that massive truck, his foot is almost chest level and his knees above his head but hey, it's not right. the most uncomfortable thing no i've truck. seen no yax that's not a truck that is a chevy blazer oh. <laughs> a glorious vehicle which the original beer trio of cade aka muscles doctor aka the thin man and cody aka yak boy had many adventures in a Chevy Blazer from their junior year of high school through four years of college and beyond. We have a very soft spot in our hearts for the Chevy Blazer. Oh, my God, it's a great car. When I see the Blazer, I was just like, I just really wanted to get in the Blazer. (laughs) Go stop a crime somewhere. Doctor, what's your favorite Chevy Blazer story? Well, sir. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, there. Well, I mean, you know, when someone asks you a question, one immediate thing comes to mind. That's what you got to go with, right? Yeah. I mean, there are so many, but uh, I remember uh, an episode of our undergrad years. Um, Yax and I were driving around Temple on a Saturday night, uh, freshman or sophomore year of college. We were uh, 
we were up for some mischief. You know, we were looking to find if see, see if there was a party around. You know, we were driving through the neighborhoods looking to see if there was anything going on. We could, we could not not like a, fr- a friend of ours party. Like if there's just a, a like some adults having a social any, gathering. Any kind of party. Any kind of party. Any, any kind of party. We were driving around. We couldn't, we couldn't find any party. It was a quiet Saturday night, so we. I don't know where we ended up uh, stopping at. Actually, I I, I think we uh, we wanted to see if there was any party going on at Lions Park because sometimes there'd be a party going out there. We couldn't find anything, and we've been driving around for about an hour, and like, what are we gonna do now? And the actress says, once you reach under your seat, I pull the lever to push the seat back, and this entire case of cold beer. We've been driving around for an hour, but these cold beer cans just come out from under the seat. I was like, woohoo! Now there's a party. And so you actually sat there just, just drinking one beer after another. The Blazers my, kept those beers cold while we were driving around. <laughs> my favorite uh, Blazer story is, again, cruising through our hometown. Uh, I want to say this is probably high school. Um, and we're just tr- drinking profusely. Don't do this at home, kids. We are professionals. We weren't back then, but we became professional drinkers. We're sponsored by the Cowboy. Underage drinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. And uh, as we are ought to do back in those days, after six or seven hours of power drinking, we got hungry. And we went to a local diner, much like where Sheriff Stevens and Charlie were enjoying some omelets. The kettle. Uh, it was Jim's. Jim's. Diner. <laughs> Oh, Jim's. And about 30 minutes after exiting Jim's, I turned to Yak Boy from the, the shotgun seat in the blazer. And I'm like, you got to pull over. This, is, this isn't going to be good. And he pulled over by some woods. It was actually not woods. It was a neighborhood. I just say woods to... I, I, <laughs> I, still, I still think I might it's be... one. alleviate your shame. I still think I might be wanted for something. And... Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. I guess I'll use some leaves or something. And much like the doctor story, Yak Boy says, reach under your seat. And I reach under there, and there's a roll of toilet paper. Boom. We're back in business 20 minutes later. And not only that, 20 minutes later, we're cruising through the neighborhoods, ready to go, looking for a party. And we saw a house that had just put out some decorative pig statues in their front yard. And you could tell they're really proud of it. They had like a little spotlight on there. So we stopped, grabbed those pigs, threw them in the blazer, and drove them across town and put them in somebody else's yard. With our crumpled beer cans scattered around them like they were drunk pigs. And unfortunately, I think that the magic of the blazer may have caused you to combine two stories together. Because I was present for the Jim's episode <laughs> when Yaks had the toilet paper. <laughs> and uh, all I'm going to say is, I don't know about the pig thing, but that toilet paper, I got to go. We were long removed from high school. My, <laughs> it was, my takeaway it was, from this it, is that it, uh, it, apparently... Kate, it was, it, it was six months ago. My takeaway from this is apparently the underseat of uh, Jack's blazer is kind of like Doctor Who's phone booth. You just reach (laughs) under there and whatever you need is there. It is a magical vehicle uh, that has... Is it still around, Yax? You still got the blazer? 
Does it work? It does. Yax, can I answer your your favorite Blazer story for you? Sure, go ahead. All right. Our old stomping ground where I used to be a bouncer at, Bums Sports Bar in, in Temple, Texas. One night, Yag Boy's leaving Bums at 2 in the morning, and he gets on the road, and a cop, a uh, sh- sheriff deputy, pulls him over, much like Sheriff Dan Stevens. And she's like, you know, it was a female cop. Correct me if I'm wrong, Yax. And she's like, you know, you were swerving all over the place, leaving bums back there, thinking this is a home run, you know, DWI, whatever. And Yak Boy, she asks Yak Boy to step out of the car. He does. And she's like, you were all over the road there. You got any kind of explanation for this? Yak Boy reaches in to the window of the blazer and pulls off the steering wheel (laughs) and shows it to her. And he's like, I've been having problems with this thing. And she laughs and tells him to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> Which, by the way, is one, white privilege defined. And two, hilarious. Is, Yaks, did I get that kind of right? You did. You did. Oh, that's that hilarious. Was, a was it the steering wheel or the whole steering column? It was, it was the steering wheel. <laughs> he just pulled off the damn steering wheel. Oh, yeah, this thing. She's like, get the hell out of here. Okay. Man, I wasn't cool enough to have a Blazer story. My first vehicle was an S10 Blazer. Oh, those little things. But I will say I have fond memories. Some cowpoke earned his spurs in that S10 Blazer. Hey, man. Not a lot of room to maneuver in the back of one of those things. I I didn't need a lot of room. She wasn't satisfied, but I was, boys. It's kind of like <laughs> making love. It's kind of like making love in the back of a chase tractor or whatever the hell I sell. Uh, okay. Now let's all drive out in the woods the day after and look at Cade's turd. Yeah, the next day we actually did go back out to where y'all I... Didn't, y'all didn't need to tell that story. I Come on. To, the doctor brought it up. Oh Lord! I I didn't. Did that we, happen? We couldn't find it from my memory. I don't know who just like turned in and watched. They just caught that segment and then they they went away. They're they like, fuck this. I'm out here. It's probably Samuel, that demon. He's like, this is too dark for me. Come on, you guys like, are fucked up. This is, I don't want you guys in hell. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, over at the Institute, we're going back there now, Dr. Philip and Dr. Paul, did anybody recognize the goofball Dr. Paul? I've seen him somewhere, but no. He played, he's been a lot of things, but where I instantly recognized him, he was the Phantom in Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, I wouldn't have seen that. Oh, God, it's a, it's a really, really cool movie. Uh, you should see it. Um well, they lure Dr. Hellman away from his desk down into the basement of the building uh, where things haven't been happening for a long time. And they tell him, we brought John back to life. In fact, now he's got the body and internal organs of a healthy 20-year-old male. By upping his dosages of Mitogen 35 to a mere 5 million units per hour, shouldn't his 
skin be all bubbling and like juicy? Like he's so full of drugs. Well, I don't even know. I mean, what are their units? What is the measurement we're going by here? It's only took 40 billion units every (laughs) two minutes. He's so, he's so soft and juicy, but he's alive. And they basically made him indestructible, which is demonstrated by Philip slicing open John's chest with a scalpel, and we watch as it heals immediately. Man, nice little effect. I loved. It's clearly a practical effect. It's clearly a, a, a fake chest. Yeah. And you see the scalpel go into the rubber, and they it film looks it. Looks good to me. They film it in reverse. It looks so good, and you'll never see that stuff again. Nobody will ever do those kind of effects again. It looked great. I loved it. But, Doctor, this all seems highly unethical. Am I right? It's terribly unethical. If they could all my be. My the- God. My God, the, ethic, the level of unethical behavior is off the charts. They should all be in prison. There's a complete, there's a complete lack of ethics. I think you're right. I know you're Man, right. Man, I tell you, for every diagnosis you've ever given me, Doctor, it makes me feel good to hear you say that. Yes. Doctor, what is. Doctor, how many million units have you ever pumped into Tut? That's that sounds kind of good. Yeah, do I need to pump any units into Tut of anything? Okay, that was a trick question. Yeah, of course, this is the first time for everything. (laughs) I've never I've never administered medical treatment to Tut, and I would never be so unethical as to pump him with forty billion cc's (laughs) of myogen. My God, that seems like a lot. You thought creatine was dangerous? Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I well, don't you... know. If, if 40 billion units of mitogen 35 gives you the body of a 26-year-old. Hey, it's not hard to put on 40 pounds of muscle if you pump in 5 billion units of mitogen 35 over the summer. Let's but do as it. Dr., as Dr. Harmon points out, his the cellular structure in his brain is really it looks like the old tron video game from the 80s where you go into the cone and the little yes. dust going up and down it, it ain't good oh, oh it's crazy in my oh, medical okay opinion, maybe not. that is not good i really no. wanted to be more specific when they said he's like he's got the body of a 20 year old which 20 year old because is my 20 year old body Gonzer. my god we made him worse what have we it, done dude that was, that that was the yeah he didn't get the 20 year old gonzer's body <laughs> Well, you can tell Dr. Philip here has gone full mad because you guys notice he's taken to smoking a pipe in the laboratory. <laughs> he's got the evil Dr. Pipe. He's a modern day Frankenstein. Yeah, he's a. Um, well, no, just that's, like, a, that's a good that's a good comparison because that's what I thought about it. I was like, yeah, this is a mod- this is now turned into a Shelley story. Yeah, he totally is. Uh, despite, as you said, Doctor, despite John's genetic makeup being all scrambled up to where it doesn't even resemble a human being anymore, the two evil doctors assured Dr. Howman that things will turn out just fine. Next stop for us, Nobel Prize, baby. But Hallman isn't into playing, he's not into playing God and creating mindless superhumans like his co-workers. After all, the mind, he's a psychiatrist. The mind is his field of expertise. He can't be associated with this. He's out. He's not into playing God. Did yeah, Dr. Know, Hallman. 
Did y'all know that when God said, let there be light, Chuck Norris said, say please? I didn't know that. No, it makes sense. So Phillips, his boss, <laughs> tells Dr. Helmet, you like that one, too? No, I just like the look that the second look that you gave, like, is somebody going to acknowledge that? Okay. So Philip tells oh, that, Dr. Uh, no, Todd, I gave up on the Norris jokes an hour ago. I, I'm just going to breeze past him. Okay. I'll hit a uh, surprising triple I'll let here. you know when you hit a high note. I'll hit a triple soon. <laughs> there, there are no homers. So Phil, Dr. Phillips, Dr. Hellman's boss, tells Dr. Hellman to get the fuck out of here. If you're not on board with what we're doing, get the fuck out of here, which isn't what you want to hear from your boss. And it is 1980, so there is no whistleblower law at this point, I believe. Did you learn that in your fancy textbooks? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if I, I'm not really laughing at the joke as much as Cade's surliness. Did you learn that in <laughs> textbooks? College boy. There's good science. There's revolutionary science like vaccines and stem cell research. But this doctor, this is not it. Am I right? This is not good this science. This is illegal science. They're going to have a, a let's go collect our Nobel Prize after we cover up a bunch of illegal activity that could all have us going to prison. Then There's, we'll get a Nobel Prize. It's a totally illegal trial. It's, it's it, This is not the way to do things. Hey, to push science, you got to break some omelets. You have to. And Gonzer will eat the onions from your omelets. Speaking of science, uh, doctor, did you know that the flu has to get a Chuck Norris shot every year? I didn't know that. Although I had heard that if Chuck <laughs> that's come on, that's a good one. Uh, you laughed, Tut. Yaks, you laughed, Doctor. Come on. I laughed. I didn't want to laugh, but I did. Well, speaking of Chuck, as in Chuck Norris. He and Charlie are out on patrol when they drive past the local dive bar and notice a sea of motorcycles parked outside, some of them belonging to the troublemakers from earlier that day, so they decide to check it out. The sheriff tells Charlie, let me do the talking when we go in. But the minute they step inside, and it's total drunken pandemonium in this bar, topless chicks, rowdy bikers partying their asses off, Charlie yells out at the top of his lungs, All right, you motherfuckers, everybody against the wall. And I'm sorry. I laughed at that shit when I was a kid, and I laughed harder at it watching this. That is a funny, funny moment. I classic, totally did. Classic Gonzer. It reminded me of my 20s when I'm like a buck 50 and I've got someone that I know is a badass right next to me. I'm barking up a storm. Is that kind of uh, thins, uh, Doctor and Yakway, when you guys would go into a bar with me, is that how you would feel? You were in the Not really. Um, but uh, I did like how they were just had the topless chicks on the bar. They were pouring beer off their tits and licking it. Up. It looked like quite a scene. I miss bums. It <laughs> was a typical Thursday night. Well, man, that moment is so damn funny. Well, the bikers all laugh at Charlie. They don't take him seriously at all. And the tall female from earlier with the tattooed boobies even approaches him and takes her top off 
to which Charlie reaches out to squeeze her gazungas until Sher- Sheriff Stevens stops him. Come on. And instructs him to go outside and call for backup. Even for Chuck Norris, there's like 30 bikers in here. You need backup. Or you need to at least ask for backup. Oh, and if just in case you didn't know these guys were serious, the, the bikers, the bartender is strung up by a noose in the corner up on the bar. So it's clear that these guys are more than just tough talk. They've taken over this little bar. These are bad hombres. These are bad hombres. But quickly we learn they're not that tough at all. As Chuck Norris roundhouse kicks all of their asses one by one, they're kind enough to wait in line for him to roundhouse. Well, let's also be kind enough to note those poor bastards who just got literally a pool cue right in their sack. <laughs> just like 12 times. Just you either you, you either get the you either get the roundhouse boot kick to the face four times in succession where there's one where I think they did a slow-mo, but he just kicks the dude. You either get the kick in the face or you get the bo- broken pool cue over your groins or head. And, and like Kate said, they kind of wait and come one or two at a time so he can just proceed to absolutely beat the living fuck at every one of them. This is where all the Norris jokes come from. This is bad motherfucker. You just opened up a can of whoop corn, and now you now you motherfuckers are gonna eat it. You yeah, pissed off the motherfucker. And doctor, I believe that slow motion shot—he kicks that guy eleven times in the face. Yeah, it looked like four, but it was slow mo. It could have been eleven. You break a pool cue, Chuck grabs it, bashes you in the head or the groin with it, just it's, kicks the shit out of him. It's a fantastic bar fight scene, one of the best we've ever witnessed here on the show. Maybe the all-time best, although I still put Roadhouse and Hooper up there. Hooper. The, the Burt Reynolds Hooper bar scene with Terry Bradshaw is is is. It is seminal. Oh man, Hooper versus Roadhouse—that's a tough one. Those, those those bar fight scenes were, but dude, I agree. I agree. This is a solid third. Swayze had backup. Burt Reynolds had backup. This is just Chuck Norris being Chuck, doing Chuck Norris things. Man, I'm sorry. I I didn't see Hooper. I gotta take your word for it. I love Roadhouse. But, Cade, to your point, even though those guys are bumblers, he's got a crew of four or five bouncers that are there to at least tackle somebody and take up a space. This is Norris by himself. This is the greatest single-man ass-kicking bar fight ever. And, I mean, I'm, I mean, nobody gets, like, a slap. You either get face-kicked or pool-cued. It's your fucking ass. I think I'm gonna I, I I think I'm gonna change my stance and I'm going to agree with Doc and, here and because Doc, of the solo aspect. And you, you know what helps? You know what helps your case, Doc? At the end of it, when he's standing there looking over the carnage, there's not a bunch of dudes like holding their nuts or heads like, Ugh. dude, they're all out cold. It's like the Gone with the Wind scene, man. The bodies are just <laughs> laying there. There's 30 dead bodies at the end of this scene. No, they're not, kind of they're not the gone with the wind scene. It's a high crane shot looking into the. Into now, the granted, room. some of those guys might have been pulling at me, where I would just pretend like I was unconscious. Like, hey, he only kicked me once. I'm kind of okay, but I'm just gonna pretend like I'm passed out. <laughs> and I love the biker leader with the high pitched voice, because at first, when when Gonzer does a, oh you motherfuckers, and they all laugh, he's like. Y'all better get your asses up against Ma. <laughs> I actually like that, dude. I thought that guy was great. Well, that guy was good. 
He's hiding behind the bar. And he's all, will somebody move? He's like, I'm not getting in this shit. And then he gets at the fucking worst of all when he tries to he drive does, off. Because for some food. reason, there's a motorcycle in the bar, which he tries to fire up and drive out of the bar. But Norris smacks him over with a, a – I think it's just his fist. He just blasts him with his back. Yeah, he, gets, his, he, gets, he gets a half a broken pool cue. And, just, pool and, and, yeah, that guy pays for it. Just man. gives him a Mike Trout right in the chest. Did you guys think that his buddy, the, the 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 biker leader's buddy who was there in the diner earlier, dude, that guy had so much Adam Sandler in him. He looked like he looked like a young Adam Sandler. I missed that. I was trying to figure out whether the big biker that gets him in the in the bear hug right up there at the beginning, for some reason I was like, that's George the no. Animal Steel, but it's not. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I thought it was I thought it was the bear. I thought it was I thought it was the gold six shooters dude from Big Trouble Little China. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, it's not. He's that, in the Chuck Norris movie The Octagon. No, but then I remembered he was in uh, Samurai Cop, and yes, yeah. Uh, so that, that was <laughs> him. Well, where was the sheriff's backup? You ask. Well, fat ass Charlie went out to the police radio, but he never actually called for reinforcements. Instead, he told whoever was on the other line about all the bike that biker chick's titties that she showed in his face. He thinks he's in love. I'm going to go back in there and ask her out, man. She's, she's head off. You should have seen these titties. I was <laughs> laughing my butt off in this scene. I, for one, am glad no one showed up to help because Chuck Norris didn't need it. We got to see Chuck Norris do Chuck Norris things, and that was awesome. Well, it would have been at least nice to see, like, an ambulance roll up. Like, I called for backup. This always happens. And I'm sorry. I know it's the the 80s, and it's the stereotypical fat, funny sidekick. But, man, he did such a good job in it. I laughed my butt off through that entire sequence. Absolutely. When he's he's off talking to the the guy, and and he's doing, like, what Kate's, he's all, they were the biggest ones I've ever seen. I'm going to go in there and ask her on a date. And that's all of a sudden you hear, ah, <laughs> one of those bikers comes smashing through the door. And he's all, holy shit, we need backup. Mayday, mayday, mayday. Yeah. He mayday, did such a mayday. good job. Tut, did you know Chuck Norris sleeps with a pillow under his gun? No, no, I did not. It's a fact. But this I is didn't realize Chuck Norris needed a gun. Gives an, an or sleep. Too. What's I that was talking? bit by a cobra, and after seven days in agonizing pain, that cobra finally died. Did he? That's use the that? one I like. Yeah, that's yeah, a good the one. Expendables two line. I think he used that. He actually Chuck Norris told a Chuck Norris joke in Expendables. Yeah. I love that. Like we haven't seen you around in a while. I was bit by a cobra. And they're like, what? And he's like, after seven days in agonizing pain, that cobra finally died. <laughs> Chuck Norris once threw a grenade and killed fifty people, and then the grenade went off. I'm hey, sorry, Kate, Chuck Norris good. jokes are great hey, Kate, I'll give you shit about them, but uh, they're great Oh, and, and a fun tip, boys If you have an uh, Alexa in your home Amazon Alexa You can ask Alexa to tell you Chuck Norris jokes And she'll tell you Chuck Norris jokes all day long Did you know that Chuck Norris can impregnate a woman By pointing at her belly and going, booyah <laughs> I didn't know that what he's got to do is hike up that knee, and I'm, I'm taking I, a pregnancy test. I still accept my youngest daughter as my own. I'll raise her, and I'll, I'll treat her the same. 
but I know it was Chuck. Until she starts kicking the shit out of the kids in the playground. No, she starts roundhousing kids on the playground. Then Chuck, that's your problem. Uh, we've got a problem with Maggie. Uh, we brought in a bumper pool table today, and she lost the game, broke the cue over her knee, and proceeded to beat the shit out of the entire first grade classroom. I don't see the problem. Every day when she walks into daycare, the Walker Texas Ranger theme song starts playing out of nowhere. Through the eyes of a stranger, the unsuspecting danger. You know what? I hate to admit this. I've only seen maybe a half an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Ugh, what? Missing yeah. out, dude. I, I'll say this before we move on. Uh, and We're going to breeze through this last part pretty quick here. It was a... Because I used to watch this Walker, Texas Ranger uh, with my wife, my then-girlfriend... Her little brother was a big walk Chuck Norris fan. So we would watch it. I'd hang out at her house on Saturday nights. It was it was one of those last kind of action series on TV. You know, we used to have the A team, the Fall Guy. We used to have these action series, and we don't you don't yeah. have like action hour long series anymore. It was like the last of a kind of a dying breed of just episodic action. And we used to watch it with her little brother. And then uh, I moved to Canada for a while and to kind of keep some sense of normalcy in our relationship. She was in Texas. I was in Canada. Every Saturday night we would watch Texas Ranger Walker, Texas Ranger together, even though we both knew it was cheesy as shit and we'd make fun of it as we'd watch it. It was this comfort food. Yeah. We would just, an hour every Saturday night, we'd be on the phone and we'd watch Walker, Texas Ranger and laugh and poke fun. And it was just I had a very soft spot for Walker, Texas Ranger. I'm what? I'm actually going to look for it streaming somewhere. And Plus, that's one of the things I want to watch it. Oh, my God. Start from the beginning, because one, yeah. you'll see everybody from these early 80s at, uh, Chuck Norris movie. He brings them all back in that show. If there's a villain in these old action movies. He gives him a job on Walker, Texas Ranger. Plus, you got Argyle from Die Hard as Trevette, his sidekick. You've got the the bad NFL owner or the uh, last Boy Scout doctor. Noble Willingham. Noble Willingham is kind of his little sensei, the older guy that owns a bar. Dude, it's it's a fun show, and they do some Uh, they do some crazy shit on there. But you know, in the last fifteen minutes, you're gonna get roundhouse kicks. A lot of dead bad guys, and it's all wrapped up with a neat little Chuck Norris bow on top. I love that kind of situational, just wrap it with a bow. I'm good. It was the last in this day and age. I want that. They filmed. They filmed a lot of it in Texas. I met. I swear, I met a bunch of people like playing golf or wherever in the early 2000s that all claimed they'd been on there as an extra. Extras and doctor when we were making movies. Every single actor that came in to audition for our movies uh, in the early 2000s, the one thing you could count on their filmography, they had appeared on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. And I can count, like, I know in one episode, Sam Jones, the guy that played Flash Gordon in the 1980 Flash Gordon movie, I know he was a villain on there once. Uh, I know Courtney Gaines played a thug on there once, right? I remember seeing Gaines with long red hair riding a four-wheeler as he was like a thug. 
A lot uh, of four wheelers. A lot of four, bad I, guys on. A lot of bad guys on four wheelers. It's possible that the actor Brian Libby, who gives a wonderful performance as John Kirby in this movie, he might have been in, in, in one of those at one point. I, I actually believe he he was. He was also Simon and Simon and Magnum guy, the guy that plays our killer John. But you know mm-hmm. where I recognized him from? He's got one of those faces. But I immediately was like, oh, he was the guy in Eraser, the Arnold flick, when the mob guys go to stop the, the arms deal at the docks, the, the mafia guys, he meets him at the gate and he's like, you know, government business, boys, get out of it. I'm like, oh, shit, that's the killer from Silent Rage. He's doing he's a Why is he doing this? He was also in heat. Uh, he has a very small part in Heat when uh, uh, it's the scene where um, the Pacino's crew is working with the SWAT team, and and it's what the one where Val Kilmer and, and De Niro walk away. They're gonna break into a thing something, and they hear something drop. The, the SWAT yeah, team in those trucks. He's in the and, truck. Like, comes in and says, "We're gonna walk," and it, it's David Morris is the guy that like drops his water bottle. Yeah. He said, like, Captain Jackson said, and Captain Jackson is Brian Libby, and he's the one who says to him, to Pacino, he's like, we're going in or whatever. He's like, no, they're going to walk, and we're going to let him. But it's like the, the guy that he argues with that is, is Brian yeah. Libby. But, my God, he's so good in this. A fantastic. A terrifying performance. It's all facial. It's all physicality, especially in that yeah. opening scene. His physicality and his weird body movements, like, my God, the dude put a lot of thought into this character. He was great. Um, okay. Well, when Sheriff Stevens goes back to his bachelor pad to ice down his muscles and his mustache after that bar fight, guess who shows up? That's right, Allison. Earlier that day at the Institute, she told him she just couldn't fathom being in a relationship with him again. She just couldn't do it. Well, as it should, her mind has changed, and boom... We cut to them making love and eating from a nicely prepared charcuterie board all <laughs> afternoon long. They even swing in a hammock in between <laughs> lovemaking sessions, which seems to me to be very un-Chuck Norrisy, but he can do whatever he wants. He's Chuck Norris. Did you notice that they still have that damn fruit basket, too? Where they're, swinging, they're swinging outside. No, as he's swinging on the hammock, he reaches over to get some stuff off the charcuterie board. Are you guys a fan of the charcuterie board? I love it. I don't think this was a charcuterie board. This was just a fruit. They just had fruits. This had a big well, basket of apples and, and bananas. And- when they showed it earlier, I thought there might be a more variety on the charcuterie board, but I think you're right. I think it was just some fruit. It's just, it's just fresh fruits. A good charcuterie board, boys, will have some salted meats. I like some salami and pepperoni options. You also have a variety of soft and hard cheeses. You'll have some salted almonds, olives. You'll have either a brie or some other soft cheese. You'll have some bread. A, a, a well-done charcuterie board is something. We're losing time. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I'm sorry, Ted. Tell us more about your science class. That's that's. Didn't you shit on the idea of the charcuterie board the first time that came up? Oh, no, I love it. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm your charcuterie you listeners, if you ever want to put together a charcuterie board, you just message me and I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, and uh, if anyone wants to make love while picking from a fruit basket, you just email me and I'll let you know. How <laughs> and if you ever want to fall asleep on a hammock, you just reach out to Tuttle. He'll tell you how to do that. I'm an expert. 
Well, man, Dan and Allison do it like three times over the course of an afternoon. That has to be some kind of record, right? No. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I've done that. Yeah, whatever. No. It's not that impressive. The man certainly knows what he's doing with the ladies. Uh, did y'all know the only time Chuck Norris was ever wrong was the one time he thought he made a mistake? Uh. And to top it off, Chuck asks Allison to go away with him to his cabin up in the woods for a few days as they make love in his cabin up in the woods. <laughs> I was like, wait, your home is in the mountains. That's so fucking Norris. He's got hey. this immaculate home, and then it's, I've got a place up in the mountains. What's wrong with this place? It is in the mountains, and it's a cabin. He's like, you want to get away to my place just like this, but somewhere else? Yes. <laughs> I've got another fruit basket up there. We can fuck and eat some more apples. You got a hammock? Okay. We've been fucking all day in this cabin in the woods. All right, we'll go to that cabin in the woods. <laughs> that was just so weird when he said that. I have a secluded cabin up in the woods. They were out on the deck of his that's cabin in the woods. That's the thing I love is that they're out on the deck. You've got this shot of and he's got his leg up. in the foreground, he's and then there's like up. hills and mountains in the background. I'm like, what? Hey, I got to up in the mountains. Sometimes I just want to get away from it all. Fucking <laughs> in the mountains, yeah. That night we joined Doctor Hellman. God, is Ron Silver... I'm sorry, he's so good in this. Yeah, it's great. As he heads home after a long, frustrating day at the office, his boss, Dr. Phillip, told him to get the fuck out of there. His artist wife is painting a huge mural of a sunny-side-up egg, and he seems impressed by it for some reason. Oh, looks like you got a lot of work done today. Looks great. This stupid-ass egg painting? Uh, what else is he going to say? He's going to walk in and that looks like shit. Man who knows how to get laid? I hear that when Chuck Norris wants an egg, he just cracks open a chicken. She seems like a doting wife. The axe laughed. I'm just laughing because I can't stop laughing. Uh, this is horrible. She seems like a very doting wife, understanding of the stress of her husband's work. They have good chemistry together in this quick scene. I thought they, she was, she was, it worked. I cared. She offers to run out for a pizza. He says he'll get it, but she's like, no, no, no. You had a hard day at work. Let me go get a pizza. And when she leaves, we then cut outside the house where John springs up into frame like Michael Myers outside the Wallace house in Halloween. Almost exactly like it, actually. And isn't he wearing like a mechanic jumpsuit? Uh, Dr. Phillips has issued him a gray jumpsuit, just like Michael Myers. A different shade, but same thing. We are, Doctor, we are in full slasher film mode here, right? Yes, this is this is Halloween 2 meets Chuck Norris at this point. And it's going to get Halloween 1, Halloween 4, Halloween 6 pretty soon. Yeah. In fact, via the trademark John Carpenter killer POV ca- uh, Panaglide camera, we see as John enters the house and grabs the butcher knife that Halman used to cut himself off a huge chunk of summer sausage, despite his wife heading out to get a pizza. Me style. Hey, I'm going to go get a giant, large, extra pepperoni pizza. All right, let me just cut off some summer sausage in the meantime. But, doctor, 
just like Halloween 2, Mrs. Uh, Elrod. Elrod left the – she was making her husband a sandwich, left the knife on the cutting board, and we see from the POV shot, Michael Myers grabbed that knife. We see the exact same thing happen here. Never leave a knife on a cutting board. Never. When John confronts Hellman down in his photo developing room, what do you think those photos were of? Him and his wife doing it? Probably. Yeah, they were. Probably. Well, did you notice how first, when he gets home from his long day at work, the doctor's wife hands him a glass of wine she's been drinking. She has a bottle of wine. She refreshes it, hands it to him. You're going you're gonna to paint pictures of Sunnyside eggs sober? No, I'm not. Hey, I'm not judging. I just like that she's got a half-open bottle of wine, gives him a glass. Then when he goes to cut himself a big piece of salami... He gets the beer out of the fridge, and then when she comes back with the pizza, she's got a fresh bottle of wine. I'm liking the doctor's wife. I'm yeah, I'm I'm yeah, I'm liking it. This is TNCC style. I I'd probably start to second guess. I'm like, you know what? She's giving me all this booze, and she understands my alcoholism. But we got all these paintings of fucking eggs all over the house. Like, well, if, if if he had come home and done nothing but walk straight to the kitchen to pick up that glass of bourbon, he'd be like... Drunk psychiatrist. <laughs> he does How say... Which is, mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. does say, he does say, TNCC style, when his wife's like, can I get you a glass of wine? He says, make it a triple. That's us. Um, and I noticed she didn't pour him a triple. She just added a little bit to her wine glass. But she handed it right over. I mean, come on. Well, and like our course. wives who just like, all right, everyone, you need to slow down. Clink, clink. And then later it's us sneaking back into the wine bottle. But, you know. I'm sorry. I don't have a wife. I liked her attitude. No, she was an awesome enabler. So... <laughs> John confronts Hallman down the basement and it leads to a cat and mouse chase throughout the house where Hallman shoots him several times with a revolver, but each time John heals from his wounds, he's obviously superhuman at this point, almost immediately, and he continues pouncing on his former therapist. Doctor, this is almost a Dr. Loomis scenario if you really think about it, especially if you consider he's told everybody this guy's crazy He's told everybody what this guy's capable of. This is his personal psychiatrist. It's got that Loomis vibe, but, and obviously Silent Rage came out A2, but Halloween 6, where Loomis finds out that other doctors at the Institute, Smith's Grove, Dr. Wynn, have been emboldening and actually supporting Michael Myers, which Dr. Phillip has. This thing has a lot of Halloween tie-ins it's mind-boggling and and in in the case of anything outside of it's a stretch but it fits no and 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 what i was going to say was not a stretch anything out of part one and part two uh you could say they took from it anything that you see that's part four or part six this movie came first they obviously you have to wonder if when they looked at some of the stuff later they were like they were stealing from silent Ray. yeah i think there's some kind of influence here from silent rage into the halloween there has to be there has to there has to be now that i mean i i don't know the timelines like i didn't know that i knew halloween came first i didn't know that two came before this 
but I knew this came before the others. And so when y'all were talking about the the six references, I was like, dude, they had to they had to have looked at this because this is I, it was one of the the connections my brain was making was the Halloween connection. Well, we're gonna get more into the Halloween six and the Halloween four later. Uh, eventually, John kills Doctor Hellman, and when his wife shows up with that, hold pizza, up. All right, so he kills Doctor Hellman, and I. Good job, guys. Good job. That whole sequence. Uh, you had the nice chase. You had the getaways. You had the tense moments to where it's like, I've got the killer. I'm doing it again. Now, there was one of the scenes where he shoots the dude, and the dude falls down on the ground, and then for some reason, instead of looking at it or getting he goes, out, he goes, he goes into room. a next room, and it's like, uh, kind of cowers against against the corner, yeah. Uh, okay, so I I had to suspend that, but the, but the pacing of it, the tenseness of the chase scene, yeah, it was the good. give and take between the two yeah. when they when they and, and plus they established that I cared about this guy and he gets well, that, killed and I was just like, oh man, good job guys for one making me care about the doctor, two creating a tense scene. And then they kill him, which it's a horror movie slash slash action movie. I expected, or I, I kind of expected it then. But then here comes the wife. And my heart said, oh, no. Yeah. And the fact, it, the fact your heart said that, having spent so little time with her, and you know what's about to happen, that, that, that's good filmmaking. I thought what was weird about, yes, and the reason why, the Dr. Hellman death scene was great was because Ron Silver is so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not that it's that well-written of a character. He's just a great actor who really pulled it off, and you really didn't think he was going to get killed at this point in the film. You felt like he might be part of the solution to solving this thing. Yeah, yeah. killed. It was unexpected, and that's what's great. But I wonder, because I wonder, sorry to interrupt, but I wonder if they were like, all right, we understand our Halloween influences here, Loomis survives in the Halloween. Maybe we should kill this dude to differentiate ourselves. Well, at this point in Halloween too, Loomis got blown up in the in the hospital. So they, but I don't I don't want to read minds or try to inject Fair my enough. theories on it. But here's what I didn't did not get, to, and it really bothered me too. That scene where he does shoot John and then go into another room and kind of like turn his back to him. He saw in the laboratory them cutting. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Cutting John and his wounds healing immediately, and them saying that he's indestructible. You shouldn't yeah, have. I totally, taken, I totally didn't make that connection. You're a smart man. You shouldn't have taken your eyes off the guy. Yeah, yeah. I understand. It's, I understand. Eighteen-year-old Jamie Lee Curtis taking her eyes off Michael Myers because she thinks stabbing him killed him. I don't get a guy that was told we've made him undestructible. You've seen us slice him up and it heals. Why has he turned his back to him? That makes no sense. And you're a brain specialist. Why didn't you put that gun right there and blast him in his fucking head and blast his brains out? No, you go down the basement, you get a jigsaw, and you cut his head off. Or when you're pointing the gun at him, you shoot him in the middle of the fucking forehead. Let's see what uh, Secret Serum 35 does when I literally saw your head off. And that wasn't like a little 22 there. You put that to the forehead. It's going to blow some brain matter out the back. Yeah. Well, Ernie, I, maybe I did act precipitously, but I did it. God damn it. Well, get this. Not Thank only you. Does he, That's my 
favorite voice character of all well spader is my favorite all right spader that dude and then the cowboy from the night <laughs> i'm sorry yeah i just ranked your characters i'm sorry okay i like it i like that they're good enough to be ranked yeah and i think it's good well, get this. Maybe this is why you like this wife so much, Tut. Not only does she show up with the pizza, she buys, she brings, she stopped and bought a bottle of champagne. Dude, well, I told I mean, you, it was her second big... bottle. They were drinking yeah. wine earlier. She's got a picture he's drunk already, and she, you know, she's had a hard day of painting those eggs. No, they couldn't have been a cab. Yeah, no, I, w- I would have preferred red wine as well, Tut, but I wasn't going to judge her. She brought booze home. That's a good thing. <laughs> She knows who's paying the bills in this. Her egg paintings aren't buying this countryside property. Oh, I bet those egg paintings paid for that countryside property. Could be. Could be. That would have been a good asshole scene if he were still alive and she showed up and puts the bottle down. And he, he delivers, the, Ron Silver delivers that tut line. Couldn't have gotten a cab. Dude, no, that's the uh, that's the uh, the general from uh, Return of the Living Dead. Return of the Living Dead. Pork chops for dinner? I had them for lunch. I had. So that's, that, that's when it turns into Spader. She, she shows up, puts the pepperoni pizza in the champagne, and is a really Susan champagne with the meat lovers. You couldn't couldn't have gotten a fucking Cabernet. What oh, the fuck I'm doing here? <laughs> Uh, well he kills her too this is like a horror action hybrid film and i'm loving it to death at this point i loved it great i love i I, I loved it as a kid i loved it now it is one of the first i i put up there with the terminator as far as action horror elements uh combining i mean intertwining it was it, it's just it's so and i saw i saw this before i actually knew what a horror movie was i mean i saw this like i said when i first saw this movie it scared the bejesus out of me uh that opening scene stuck with me for like i said when i it's been a while since i've seen it but when i started watching it i knew that opening scene almost beat for beat and I just I like that the fact that they that they've been able to that they were able to cross the genre. Now knowing what I know as a as a film enthusiast, it, it's really well done. It it really is. Um, speaking of horror flicks, were y'all aware that Freddy Krueger has nightmares about Chuck Norris? I've heard that. It it tracks. It tracks. Uh, it makes sense if you think about it. Um, did y'all know? Well, I'm on this train of thought. Chuck Norris's cowboy boots are made from real cowboys. That's that, truly. That's a lie. That's that's, a lie. That, that, that's truly terrifying. That's a yeah. lie. Hang on a second. Look at the doctor chugging that beer. <sighs> Allison shows up at the house. Uh, she lives with her doctor brother and his wife at the house. And as she packs up her stuff to go on her weekend getaway to Sheriff Dan Stevens' cabin in the woods that's separate from his other cabin in the woods, uh, 
before she can be killed by John, who's still in the house, Sheriff Dan Stevens shows up, and we see John slink away off into the darkness. Soon, deputies and the coroner arrive to hallway the dead bodies, and Stevens doesn't know what the fuck is going on, so he tells Charlie, Gonzer, take Allison to the Institute to get her a sedative or something. That tracks. That's you know 80s. What? You know what? She saw some stuff. Uh, she's, she seems kind of squirrely. Give her a sedative at the Institute. That's 80s. I don't Why can't to... they go to the county hospital? I don't have time to make love to her right now. Get her a sedative. Chuck Norris's penis is classified as a sedative in 48 continental states. I made up that Chuck Norris joke just now. I don't really think that's a Chuck Norris joke, but we'll go with it. He's not going to come in here and get me, is he? He probably will. Oh, yeah. Wait, he's outside. There's You're about to get Whatever an 82-year-old boot to the face. To drive away. There's a knocking at the door. Do I answer it? If he no. kicks the shit out of Cade, oh. I'm doubling my investment. Yeah! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> John makes his way... John makes his way back to the Institute, it's the only place he knows, where Dr. Philip and Dr. Paul start to stitch up his bullet holes. I thought his bullet holes healed automatically. Why are they stitching them up? What if he they tried... haven't injected him with 40 billion more units. What if he tried He's to kill low. What if he tried to kill somebody, Dr. Paul asks his boss. What if someone tried to kill him, Dr. Phil retorts. Well, Phil is really an, an idiot. While stitching up these self-healing wounds. But just then, Philip is summoned to his office where Sheriff Stevens is waiting. He wants to know if there are any other crazy patients of Dr. Hellman's, like John Kirby, who might be responsible for his murder. Dr. Phil promises to get the Sheriff Dr. Hellman's files first thing in the morning. Satisfied... Chuck Norris goes up to the examining room to comfort Allison. He promises her that everything's going to be okay. I'll take that promise. Yeah, Chuck says it. Did y'all know that on New Year's Eve of last year, Chuck Norris promised to lose 20 pounds? The next morning, he shaved off all his chest hair and smiled as he realized he lost 30 pounds. (laughs) Down the laboratory... Dr. Philip tells Dr. Paul that he doesn't care if John killed a thousand people. We're scientists, not moralists. John Kirby is the future, and because of him, a million lives could be saved. That's wrong. That is wrong. There's still ethics in science. Doctor, back me up here. Oh, Dr. Phil is terrible. Oh, Tut, you're one of those guys that listens to scientists? Fascist. Actually, the character of Dr. Phil is the fascist. He's an asshole. He's a huge asshole. He's a giant asshole. Yes. Self self serving. My God, Doctor. The the level of degrees that scientific testing needs to happen to make something like years of testing, am I right? The lack of professionalism on display in silent rage is off the charts. My God, it could make a man's asshole burn with his lack of professionalism. Good God, man. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Make an ass man's asshole burn. Doctor, that's strong words for me. 
very strong words, and the assholes will burn with the lack of ethics. Well, you're the most e- you're the most ethical doctor I know, so I'm going to take that to heart. And you the assholes burned that day, my friend. Yeah. But finally, Dr. Paul talks some sense into the mad Dr. Phil, and they agree that nobody is going to give them the Nobel Peace Prize for creating an unstoppable killing machine. Good call. Imagine, imagine Good that. Call. Good call. So Paul fills his syringe, his plastic syringe, with hydrochloric acid. Wouldn't that melt the syringe? Depends on the polymers used in the plastic. Uh, I suppose you could put hydrochloric acid into a syringe, but my problem is what happens next. After he injects into his neck, it would have caused his head to explode. Yes. I always, I always wonder in these movies we do. Uh, we did one. What was that 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 movie we did at the beginning of the year? The uh, Predator ripoff, uh, Cyborg War or Cyber War? Or, remember that movie that was like a oh. the the Predator ripoff? They had these 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 coffee cans of hydrochloric acid that it kills any totally disintegrated. And to go to your point, Tut, Return Living Dead. He's got a mason jar of hydrochloric acid. This will burn anything. If it burns anything and destroys anything, how can anything contain it? Well, no, no. I mean, because you can contain hydrochloric acid. I just don't know how. Obviously, it's a substance, so there is a way. But these movies, like, dude, if if it can melt anything and kill anything... How can you draw it into a, a plastic syringe and not melt the syringe? Well, I will say, and maybe maybe the oatmeal's talking here. Hydrochloric acid is kind of the '80s quicksand. I mean, it was all around, and it was kind of like your one-stop, you know, movie trick. If you want to kill somebody, hydrochloric acid. I think so. I just think it's weird that you can this this unstoppable acid that can melt anything. You can put in coffee cans and plastic syringes and it doesn't I think it's weird but but to doctor's point I think it's weird that you can inject this into a dude and it doesn't eat his face right away yeah you could have you could have had some sort of syringe that could contain the the hydrochloric acid but the minute you inject it into the guy's neck vein I don't care what he can do at that point his head's blowing up but it's gonna but melt. If he's got the regenerative powers and let okay, so let's say that the regenerative powers due to the treatment, maybe he was only at a fraction of his powers and those those healing quantities exponentially rise, a la Wolverine. You know, Wolverine, you can take him down to the skeleton and he'll come back. Is that true, Yax? It is. Okay. It's actually at the molecular atomic level. Well, at the very least, getting injected in the neck with sulfuric acid, that that has to hurt. (laughs) I would assume it would have been very painful. My God, it would have been painful. Every nerve ending in his body would have been on fire with pain. You know what never hurts or makes me say ouch, boys? What's What's that? that? Glad you asked, all three of you. That's right. I'm talking about injecting this sweet, aromatic smoke from a Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve barrel fermented cigar straight into my smoke hole. Segway. 
This unique stogie is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else in the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Those are the best kind of bourbon barrels, oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added. While mince pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks, not jumping jacks, not car jacks, not Wolfman Jacks. Not hey, why don't you go down and get some of that wolf, that uh, Pappy Van Winkle, all right? He's dead. May Wolfman Jack rest in peace. Railroad Jacks. The tobacco is removed two, two to three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. We have seen this done on site at the Louisiana Barn Smoker, Mark Ryan's Farm, Mark Ryan, as J.D. has said, is the thing that should not be in that he is awesome. And he, <laughs> God will never make another guy like Mark Ryan. Oh, bless him. So when the barn smokers fire back up, you need to go and meet this guy because he's one of a kind. I like anything where you talk about a smoke hole. Now, I'll tell you what, I got to take five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Pat Van Winkle's Family Reserve Bell Fermented is now available at every brick and mortar. Drew Diplomat Rizzler everywhere. If you'd like to smoke the unique pig-sized Vitola of the Pappy, head over to the pappyco.com website, as that's the only place you'll find it. There's a 0% chance you'll be disappointed. Did y'all know that Chuck Norris can divide by zero? Only man who can. Tell your math nerd. That's hard to do. That's impossible to do unless you're Chuck fucking Norris. Well, Dr. Phil, upon upon finding Dr. Paul's dead corpse in the hallway, retreats to his office where he starts chugging bourbon like crazy, something I can certainly relate to when our best laid plans go suddenly south. Uh, when John shows up in his doorway, Killer John. Monday nights. I get that he's healed instantly. But why doesn't his gray jumpsuit have any bullet holes in it? They got a new one. No, I. Well, it is. It is the institute. I'm. Sh- I'm sure they have just a plethora of jumpsuits. So he changed into a new jumpsuit. I. I thought the serum was so good that it actually healed the stitching on his gray jumpsuit. Hey, man, the doctor doesn't want his Nobel Peace Prize in a bloody old mechanic jumpsuit. That made no sense. Why his jumpsuit didn't have bullet holes but okay dr phil stands up and embraces john his beautiful creation but john simply snaps the doctor's fucking neck and moves on and pause dr phil's dead okay so i was actually of two minds of this scene because one i mean this is your evil mad scientist this is the guy who's caused all this mayhem Maybe I wanted to see him, uh, you know, get tossed around a little bit, you know, get jacked up a little bit. But I also like the fact that it was just, you know what? And we're done with you. All your best laid plans, all your Nobel Peace Prize, all your highfalutin plans, just, I'm done with you. And again, it made me think Mary Shelley. 
I loved Her. it. I loved it. I love Stephen Keats' performance, but uh, he ain't quite Colin Clive. I mean, it's uh, <clears throat> that was the guy that played Doctor Frankenstein, uh, yeah. the yeah. alcoholic that played Doctor Frankenstein. But uh, I loved it. I love how brief it is. He thinks he's gonna say something. Kind of did too. Hand on his head. John puts hand on his head. Just crack. That's always over. Well, the thing is, when you create a uh, mindless monster, it it should be as simple as that. You're in my way. I don't like you because you're in my way. I'm going to just kill you. That's what it was when in Halloween. Uh, Michael never showed any kind of favor towards Loomis. Uh, his... His Dr. Frankenstein, if you will. Um, yeah, no, I like this death scene. Quick, boom. I got to move on and kill more people. Uh, Dr. Philip. Uh, forget about Dr. Philip. Deputy Charlie, who's in charge of watching over Allison in her uh, recovery room, hears some commotion from out in the hallways, and when he goes out to check it out, John breaks his spine in a massive bear hug as Charlie screams for Allison to run for her life. Sayonara, Gonzer. And because you've done such a good job of setting this character up, making him lovable, making him laughable, I cared about it. I wanted Gonzer to live. I want him to go on and, and run that diner. Because he doesn't need to be in law enforcement. I want him to marry that big titty biker. And uh, yeah, running the diner would have been a good job. Tud, I think marrying that big titty tattooed titty biker would be a bad move for Gonzer. I think it would. But he would have loved it so much. He would have had about two weeks of. Then let him. No, it would have been a year. He would have had a year of bliss. Well, six months of bliss, six months of bad. He would have been divorced after a year, but. I, I stand by my two weeks. No, man. Let, think, him, let him make his own mistakes. Do you think he was still titty drunk when he died? Like, that was the last thing. He's been thinking about the fucking gazombies all day. I would have been. The last moment when, like, when John Curry's about to crack his back, he just, just sits back and thinks of those titties. Well, Cade, we got to move on because, as you know, there's no crying in the breast milk. There's not. Spilt milk cries over Chuck Norris. Well, I cried over Gonzer. Uh, yeah, I, I, no, I. But you know what? He needed to die. He needed. We needed to have that weighty death here, so that that worked for me. No. There's even a scene here where Allison tries desperately to summon an elevator, which is super slow, coming to her floor, which is very reminiscent of Halloween too. Doctor. Which came out a year before in 1981 when Lori's trying to escape the shade. This elevator scene was pure Halloween, too. So while she decides to flee up the staircase... Hey, quick question. Because of the production schedules of these movies... Yeah, it's hard to tell, Todd. Do you think it was influenced, or... No, it's, maybe it's, they a, had... it's a great question, because... It, when, when looking at this, this movie came out in the summer of 82. It was shot in the summer of 81, which is when H2 was released. So 
you you really have to question whether or not Dr. H2 was released. Yeah, H2 was released in 81 when they were shooting Silent Rage. Yeah. Silent Rage is released in 82. They're shooting it in 81 when H2 is released. So it's a good question. They might not have seen any of that. Maybe. But it was very, very suspect. Yeah, it's very... As she's hitting that button, I went straight to Halloween 2. So, well, as Allison flees up the staircase, Sheriff Stevens, Chuck fucking Norris, arrives back on the scene. In a tender moment when he finds Fatso Charlie dying, Gonzer, we get, to see that, we get to see that old Chuck, you know how we get to see that Chuck Norris isn't happy? He takes his hat off. Oh, yes. I noticed that immediately. When he's not happy, he takes that cowboy hat off. That's when you know he's tender Chuck. Tender Chuck Norris. But the cool thing about Chuck Norris is like, look at my hair. Chuck Norris doesn't have hat hair. Todd, I wish you would have let the mustache come in for tonight's show. I know it was short notice, but... <laughs> uh, in fact, now, he is super duper pissed as he raises up from... Uh, Charlie's dead body and puts on his cowboy hat again. He's ready for business. Did y'all know that when Chuck Norris gives you the middle finger, he's telling you how many minutes you have to live? Uh. Chuck Norris can make a slinky go upstairs. <laughs> He acts like that one. <laughs> he ain't fucking around, folks. As Allison, trembling, continues to navigate the stairwell to continue to escape from John, he eventually finds her. But before he can strangle her to death, Sheriff Dan Stevens enters the room and fills him full of lead. John sees the clip. John soars. It's not a clip. It's a revolver. Yeah, yeah. He soars out the four-story window, crumpling to the ground below. But when Chuck Norris approaches him down on the ground, John's eyes click open and he starts strangling him. Did y'all know that once, many years ago, Chuck Norris destroyed the periodic table because Chuck Norris only recognizes the element of surprise? Jack boy's laughing. Uh, wait, wait a minute. Chuck Norris style. Oh, God. Tut's taking off his hat. <laughs> a lot of good they did him here, though, as a reinvigorated John surprised him. They wrestle on the ground until Allison takes the wheel of Chuck's Chevy Blazer and plows into John. Doctor, Halloween 4 style. Sending him soaring off. But as Dan climbs into the blazer and they speed off, John latches onto the bumper and manages to crawl into the cab. Also Halloween 4 style. Yes, it is. He wrestles with the sheriff briefly before both Dan and Allison leap out of the blazer and send John and that magnificent vehicle tumbling over a cliff into flames. That's a good little action scene there. It really is. It's tightly directed. It looks good. John emerges from the wreckage encased in fire. Dude. Halloween 2 style. 
He's burning in fire, but he jumps in a nearby lake. Dan walks down to the water's edge, but when John once again emerges from the water unscathed, he's got five five million units of that super serum in his body. Again, I can remember young Tut watching this thing, and it scared the bejesus out of me. I was just, I, I, watching it, this guy can't be removed, and I remember this scene beat for beat. That's, you know, it's a great point, Tut, because. I, I hadn't seen this in so long, but I remember watching this repeatedly as a kid, like less than ten years old. Like that—that's when I saw it a couple of times. Was it? Was it? Did you boys? Was an HBO film? Did you guys have HBO? I think so. Yeah. God, yeah. I don't remember that, or I don't know if we rented it in like 1983 or 84, but I remember seeing it a couple of times. And just, it was like, you kind of had this feeling, well, it's Chuck Norris, so he's going to win. But it was, it was scary. Like, that dude was so scary that he just couldn't get stopped. Like, if anybody's going to stop, it's going to be Chuck Norris. But it was such a, it was really, the whole thing was scary. Like, this guy can't get killed. Yeah. I get, yeah, my guess is I might have seen it with either my uncle or my grandpa because they were big Chuck Norris guys. And so I, I just, like I said, it just is one of those things that just stuck with me. Well, Sheriff Dan wisely grabs Allison and takes off running. At this point, dude, Chuck Norris runs. That says something. And this guy can't be that. stopped. I, I'm running. Just to get a better vantage point. There's some, <laughs> <laughs> there's some situations that just cannot be resolved with roundhouse kicks. But, but fleeing yeah. is but fleeing is no use. As they aren't ten feet away, they literally run like for a second before John has them cornered again in the beach. He's unstoppable, obviously. Did y'all know that uh, Chuck Norris's tears cure Alzheimer's disease? Too bad he never cries. Doctor chugs his beer. John the sheriff fight it out vigorously on the beach, exchanging roundhouse kick for roundhouse kick. Finally, Chuck kicks the maniac down a well, and just like that, he tells Allison, it's over. We're safe. But as, we, but as we know damn well, pun intended, from Halloween 5, it's not over. As John bursts up from the well down below, and we freeze on him coming back to life, and that's the end of the movie. Silent Rage 2. Okay, the well is a deep situation. Which leads me, Tut, to my final thoughts. If any movie ever deserved a sequel, this is it. I'm actually physically, when I watch this, I got physically angry at this movie for not having a sequel. You've got a great monster in John, a classic hero in Norris, uh huh. You clearly see he kicked him down a well. It was perfectly set up. Bullets don't kill this guy. A well's not going to kill this guy. There should have been Silent Rage 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Now, here's, the, 
here's, the here's the was, big question that my why the hell was that. there never a sequel to this movie? What was the box office on this? Uh, oh, now you're asking me to retroactively do some work. Well, look at it this way too. Norris, even though he's about 40 years old at that point. His, and he's made his late 70s movies like Good Guys Were Black and Breaker Breaker and Octagon. His film career is really taking off. And the whole idea of the sequel, other than a Star Wars movie or a Godfather movie, was still very much kind of, or Jaws, was still kind of in a early, I don't early know, frequency. Yeah, early phase. So early, yeah, but you you had getting you, missing in action. You're getting Lone Wolf McQuaid, Invasion USA, Code of Silence. Norris is really off and running into a film career. And at that point, you're gonna think, well, you know, I'm an actor. I don't really want to go back to a sequel if I don't have to. Especially, he's getting offered all this money. We okay. want you to play the badass in Invasion USA. Play the badass McQuaid. Play the badass in Code of Silence. It's like I don't, me, I don't need to do this. To me, that makes sense because my my follow up would have been, yeah, but while they were filming this, Halloween two came out. So you know, wouldn't you think that there's money to be made in a sequel there? But if you're getting offered all this other stuff, okay, I can understand you balking at that. Why end on John Kirby? coming up out of the well for air and freeze on that as your last thing if you're not going to do something with it. Because they obviously planned for it. Yeah, it's clearly it's clearly designed. Like, we're going to have him burst out so we can make a sequel. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know the history. Bigger uh, money, bigger offers, bigger things. Let's just... I kind of Yeah, I kind of agree with Doc here. I, th- I, I think that the editors and the producers set it up for us sequel and they had dollar signs in there and chuck might have been like what what mincy said doctor said and it was like now nah, i'm good i'm good well, i'm not give I'm, me my magna force money all of a sudden it's like you know hey chuck we're thinking about silent rage 2 uh well i just got this giant paycheck offer to do a movie where i play a kick-ass cop with lq jones and david carradine and get to make love to barbara carrera uh, you're gonna have to pay me twice as much for SR2 because I'm gonna do Lone Wolf McQuaid. Oh, and then you're gonna be an in Invasion USA where you kick the fuck out of the, all the goddamn Russians in 1983 or 84 when we're the height of the Cold War or the descent of it. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take that paycheck. You know, I, I can see how it never came to fruition. You know, we'd have to ask Chuck Norris. I mean, who knows? Maybe, I bet maybe- at 82 you can put you can do Silent Rage 2 now. Yeah, but I'm thinking he just got. I want to do. I want to direct Silent Rage two right now. <laughs> Give me the. I, I actually want you to direct Silent Rage two. I now. want. I want to direct eighty year old Chuck Norris in Silent Rage two right now. Well, you could have done. He would H4 kick all of our asses. You could have done an H four beginning, right? Like he's been comatose for ten years. Even if you went back ten years later, you're like you know. John Kirby's been laying in the basement at some hospital for 10 years, but the, I, I just think that Norris, his career just took off and he became the it, Chuck I Norris actually, I actually am curious from. though. What does anybody know the box office on this? No. And if somebody would spend 15 seconds on IMDb, they could find it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, 
But, yeah, uh, it just seemed like it was ripe for the pickings, but I'll give you that, Tut. The guy had a million bigger, better, not better, but bigger uh, profile opportunities when he got involved with Canon Films. Uh, you know, Invasion USA. Dude, I almost... I could have gone a million different directions with Chuck Norris tonight. There was a movie Firewalker that he did, which I think yep. was towards the end of Canon Films, where he and Lou Gossett Jr. were these adventurers searching for gold. Oh my God, I watched the first 30 minutes. It was gold. But we just did a Lou Gossett movie with Jaws 3 and... I didn't think we need to revisit that. Dude, we've done two Anna Nicole Smith movies. Why can't we do two Got Lou Gossett movies? So here, here's to answer Tut's question. Here's the IMDb stats. Here's the IMDb stats, which uh, we have to take with a grain of salt, but maybe not a real big right. one, right? Okay. Estimated budget, four and a half million. Okay. Opening weekend, and fourth of April, nineteen eighty-two. Three point six million. Didn't get its budget back in one weekend. Cumulative gross, ten point five million. It made its money back. Yeah, but not you enough to get not enough really to get Chuck on a sequel. Right, but, if, Chuck, if Chuck doubled his price, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he's going up. He's going up every time. Um and when you watch Firewalker, which you should, and I'm, we might still do a show on it. Um, yeah, no, Chuck. Well, I'm glad. I'm actually glad that we did Silent Rage because I I know I'm going to be weird on this, but Silent Rage is my favorite Chuck Norris movie. It's the one that just impacted me the most. I, I, I'm surprised at how much I remember of it and how clearly I remember it. I, it just when when you th- when I think Chuck Norris, I think of that roundhouse kick there on the beach. It, it just it's iconic. Whereas whereas take this one for example, Cade, Halloween two, which comes out uh, about seven months earlier. Estimated budget two and a half million. Opening weekend November first to eighty one seven and a half million. Gross twenty five and a half million. So that shows you how much more that made. So, I mean, Kate, if you if you were just going to take a guess, with Norris not really being an international superstar when Silent Rage came out, he's got a following. He's been in some kung fu movies. Budget's four and a half million for the whole movie. What was his paycheck? And I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm asking you to guess. I'm not, there's no way for me to look this up. I'm just guessing. A couple hundred grand. So I'm, I'm trying to look up Invasion USA, but yeah, all of a sudden, say you made two hundred thousand bucks, a tidy sum in 1981. Yeah. God damn it, for real. And then. Hey Chuck, we think we can double this. We'll, we'll pay you four hundred grand, but then all of a sudden he's getting offered twice that, eight hundred grand for picture. You're fuck yeah. you, you know? Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense why a weird set of circumstances never uh, we we never got to see the sequel. 
But I will have I will I will have to. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was good. right here. Budget for Invasion USA, which comes out, which is 85, right? So three years later, the budget's 10 million estimated on IMDb. So it was four and a half million three years later. That means his salary was doubled. Yeah. So I like I like reading uh, when we do some of this stuff. I like reading the comments, you know, the review comments from Amazon, especially if I have to rent it. In the first comment, oh, I wanted to kick this motherfucker. He was like, uh, he's a white bread Bruce Lee wannabe. And I was just like, dude, this motherfucker was trained by Bruce Lee. Didn't he Shut fight up. Bruce Lee? Didn't he fight, they, they, yeah. They, yes, he was in the movie with Bruce well, Lee. Well, so shut I, your mouth and sit well, on your couch writing your douche volcano Amazon review and just shut the fuck up. When I when I told our voiceover uh, extraordinaire uh, Keith A. Howe that we're going to finally be doing a Chuck Norris film, he was like, "Oh, are you going to do way? Is it Way of the Dragon where Enter Chuck the Norris Into the Dragon where Chuck Norris gets his ass kicked by Bruce Lee? It's like that's the greatest. Bruce like, Lee rips off Chuck Norris's chest hair. Yeah, he's like that. That, and like, no, we're not gonna do that one. Uh, but we're gonna be doing Silent Rage. He ain't Keith the hell I didn't seen Silent Rage. Um, I just think it's the quintessential Chuck film. It's, it's just, a great, great movie. Yeah, ladies' man, ten minute bar fight kills the unkillable or beats the unkillable. You, you can set the tone. For all of the, for everything Chuck Norris did, and for all the jokes that come out later, you can just point to this movie. I mean, you're gonna, you can, you've got so many more examples. All the ones we've talked about: Lone Wolf McQuaid, Invasion USA, Code of Silence, everything throughout the '80s. You can point to any of those, but this one came first, and this is just, and I love, and Kate, I know you love it too. This is. I, when I was looking at the trivia on IMDb, they said somebody said this is Chuck Norris meets Michael Myers. Yes. Yeah. I was like, yes. that's what it is, and it's fucking A awesome. And that's, and that's what's awesome is that, and also, you didn't have Chuck Norris in the stereotypical. It was funny because uh, my wife asked me, she was like, oh, so what are you watching? And I'm like, Sudden Rage. And she was like, what is it? And I was like, well, Chuck Norris plays a small town Texas sheriff. And she was just like, oh, yeah. But no. That's before the stereotype. This establishes the stereotype. This is where it all began. And yeah. I, I just, I appreciate it so much because, you know, he gets his start in Bruce Lee martial arts movie. He's a martial arts known actor. He could have followed the whole martial arts movie, but no, he plays a cop in a, a small country town cop. It was just, it, this established the genre. This is the whole beginning yes. of the stereotype. This I, where, I love that. Yes, and I agree with you, Tut, 100%. This is where my love for Chuck began, and I always go back to this film, so that's why we did it. Fuck. Chuck Norris rocks. Tut, give us some links. All right, so if you are wanting to buy uh, the protocol that you saw us do tonight, you can go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com. Click on the FamousSmokeShop.com. 
uh, famous mo shop banner there it will automatically enter the promo code tncc20 it'll give you 20 percent off of that fabulous purchase if you don't want to buy the protocol you can buy any cigar that you want just go to tuesdaynightcigarclub.com click on the famous mo shop banner it'll automatically enter uh, enter tncc20 you will automatically get 20 percent off of your purchase isn't that cool? And then guess what? You got some backs to school shopping coming up next. Go to the Amazon.com banner on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club.com website, and you can do your shopping from there. It helps us uh, keep the bills on. And if you don't want to do that, then guess what? You can follow us on at TNCCCast for Twitter. You can follow us on all of our beautiful pictures, mostly Cade's pictures, at TNCC underscore podcast on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, and good God, if you do not subscribe to Tuesday Night Cigar Club on YouTube, 80-year-old Chuck Norris will roundhouse his 80-year-old boot into your face. That's truth. Oh, wait. He'll knock your ass out. Ha <laughs> I like it. I tell you what, I like the cut of their jib, and I tell you what else, I like Don Ivis over there. Yeah, woo! I want to apologize for referring to Tuttle as Don Imus. I, I it didn't like... hurt at the time, but as I sober up, it's probably going to hurt more. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. Listen yeah, to that. a little sting Don't there. Sober up. But uh... pop if you sober up. But man, boys, this is a fun one, and we get to smoke a really nice cigar, um, and we got to experience. I like my beer. Uh, quite I've a gone bit. four of the oatmeal style. I am probably gonna roll another one. I'm good. There you go. Uh, so the beers were good. The cigar, man, it did not. Uh, it did not interfere with our enjoyment of our beers at all it played nicely i think with all of them good god it's a cigar with orange zest try the motherfucker yes sir Um, i'll say that okay well boys uh we will begin um maybe next episode with our march to halloween oh my goodness it's almost halloween time yeah don't get me started we we usually start uh, in September, so we're marching to Halloween, baby. My favorite uh, date on the calendar. I can't and wait to see what you deliver. Everybody's excited. Uh, we're going to be doing some scary fucking movies and some crazy fucking movies. And yeah, so it officially begins next episode, our March to Halloween. Two months. We do a two-month march to Halloween. Um, and it's going to be fun. You'll love it. Uh, and we will scare the hell out of you. Oh, no. I'm, I'm talking to you. <laughs> we will scare the fuck out of you. Your cowboy hat will shoot off your fucking face. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. Uh, especially in these times, hopefully we give you, you know, two and a half, three hours of brief break from the, uh, real world madness. May the wings of Liberty never look at Tut. My 
God, he looks. Talk pain. about some wings of liberty. He's got wings of liberty right He's there. Got wings. Of, oh my, Jesus, God, look at Tuck. If you're not on YouTube, you're missing out on something special. Those are the wings of liberty. May the wings of liberty, and it never matters more than now, folks. Uh, go out and vote. Make your voice count. This is what this fucking country was founded on was your fucking voice. So do it. Find a way to do it. And those wings, <laughs> backtrack again, make those wings of liberty never lose a feather. Ever. Ever, motherfuckers. We'll see you in two weeks. We love you. Thank you for supporting us. Sign Six demon bag. Drink, drink it. It's good for you. Six demon bag. Sign on, motherfuckers. We'll see you in two weeks. Jay Giles. Jay Giles band. Which <laughs> sucks. Which sucks, by the way. Jay Giles. Go sit down. Ah! 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 learn more about the time that Chuck Norris punched me so hard that my blood started bleeding, just rent the 1984 action-packed martial arts extravaganza, The Nonagon. You see, it's like the octagon, but with an extra side. And speaking of sides, boy did my side hurt after Chuck Norris roundhouse kicked my ribs over and over again. It was my own damn fault for asking him what time it was. You see, Chuck doesn't need to look at a clock to know what time it is. He just tells the clock what time it's supposed to be. Anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit www.cubaracano.com. By the way, thinking about tonight's cigar, the Protocol Gold Themis, did you know Themis was the ancient Greek Titaness who's often called the Lady of Good Counsel? She's the personification of divine order, fairness, law, natural law, and custom. Her main symbol is the scales of justice, tools that are used to remain balanced and pragmatic. I think we could all smoke a little more of that these days. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well. Keep it